All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, Nicks? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, wads? What the fuckaholics? How's it going? I'm Mark Marin. This is my show, WTF, and I'm trying to sit casually in a chair, and there's just like a certain angle where I have shooting pains in my back. It's not always, it's not even sometimes, it's just occasionally, if there's just a little turn to the, no man, right there, right there. So given the old adage, the old joke, doc, it hurts when I do, I do this. Yeah. Well, don't do that. I don't know. It's a little, it's a little worse than that. I'm going to the doctor in a couple of weeks. Thanks for bearing with me through this difficult time of uh, back pain, shooting back pain. Someone sent me the nicest little sculpture, like this weird little almost caricature-like uh, piece of plastic sculpture, some sort of ceramic plastic of uh, La Fonda. The late La Fonda has been uh, mortalized in uh, painting and now in sculpture. Uh, it's very exciting. I, I like the fan art and I like the m- memorials uh, photos as well. To uh, my late great cat, LaFonda, R.I.P. Uh, this will, I maybe I'll, I'll get enough to create a shrine. I'm going to talk to Ben Schwartz today. Uh, I knew very little about Ben Schwartz. He's of a different generation, but I missed it. There's some guys I knew coming up. I did not know him coming up and I did not see a lot of his stuff, but I got into it. I researched it when given the opportunity. I said, I'll talk to that guy. He's a funny guy. He was in uh, Lynn Shelton's uh, movie, Outside In. Very good film with the... Uh, with Jay Duplass and uh, Edie Falco came out last year, and uh, he's done a lot of stuff. And he's got—he's uh, the voice of Sonic the Hedgehog in the new movie that comes out this Friday. I would like to say that Dino and I, Delray and I, will be in uh, Orlando, Florida, at the Hard Rock Live this Friday. It's Valentine's Day, and then we're going to be in Tampa on Saturday at the Straz Center. And then the final run of dates will be the following week. Portland, Maine at the State Theater, Thursday, February 20th. Providence, Rhode Island at uh, Columbus Theater, Friday, February 21st. New Haven, Connecticut at College Street Music Hall, Saturday, February 22nd. And Huntington, New York at the Paramount, Sunday, February 23rd. I got to get inside. The Oscars are on. I can't. I don't know. I'm not going to speculate. Um... I had to do this before because I'm. I, this is the second year in a row I've been invited to the Vanity Fair party. Last year, I didn't go because I'm like, I didn't go to the Oscars. Why would I go to the party? I'm not involved with anything that has to do with the Oscars. Why would I go to the party? How, could, how would I not feel like a hanger on, like, a, like just a star fuckery person? Just a, what am I going to do there? I have this sense of me. I still have this sense that I'm some sort of outsider, some sort of marginalized, not marginalized, but marginal character in the great pantheon, in the great uh, celestial body that is show business, the galaxy of show business. I'm a, I don't want to say I'm a black hole. I'm not a dead star. I'm just sort of a half a star. I'm kind of a, <laughs> I'm just a, that guy over there who I talked to in his garage, that guy. That's the guy who does the thing in his garage and he's on glow, that guy. Brad Pitt loves that guy, that guy. But I'm going tonight. You know, I went to the Indie Spirit Awards last night because um, Sword of Trust, the film I made with Lynn Shelton, was up for best editing, and it did not get it. Tyler, the editor, did not win, but we had a nice time. The food was good. I got in there. I don't know what to do when you're not, when they let you into the tent, 
I'm going to go sit down and start eating. Everyone's outside. The sun's beating down. We're all dressed hot. And people are just schmoozing and socializing. Well, some people are on the red carpet. But they open the thing. I'm, I'm in. I'm going in. I'm going to start. So it literally is just me and Lynn in the entire, and four other people in the tent eating what's on the table, different tables. It was me and Lynn and Chris Hardwick and his wife, about 10 tables away. And I'm like, this is what it's come to. Look at us. Apparently we're not eating at home. But the show was pretty good. You never know with award shows. I didn't know what to expect. The last time I was there, I presented an award with um, Aubrey Plaza. Patton Oswalt hosted. This year, Aubrey Plaza hosted. It was the second year she hosted. I didn't see last year, but I had no idea that she was this song and dance person. Great voice. She sang. There were dancers. It was all funny and dark and weird. It was like an old-timey award show with a little edge to it, a little darkness, with a, a bit of menace, because Aubrey's fucking weird in a good way. And uh, it, was, it was good. It was entertaining. She did a great job. It was fun to be there. Who did I talk to? I know you're asking. I was sort of on the outskirts. My table was on the outskirts of the country. That was the Indie Spirit Awards. But I went in. I went in. I floated around. I said hi to people. Had some hugs. Shook some hands. Saw uh, Jim Gaffigan. And uh, that was that was nice. Jim was uh, always good to see Jim Gaffigan. Saw comedian Byron Bowers on the carpet. That was, uh, that was nice. Always good to see him. Always good to see fellow comics. Amazed at where we are. Walking around on red carpets, talking to people with microphones, getting our pictures taken. Got inside the place, and I was very excited to see the Safdie brothers. I wanted to do a part in Uncut Gems, but they cast a set of uh, non-acting twins instead of me. But I've met them a few times, and I liked their movie. I liked it better the second time. The first time, I couldn't see Adam Sandler in the part. I couldn't quite make it to where it needed to be for me. Second time, I thought he was great, fucking excellent. And I've had problems with Adam in the past, but I think we're good. Had a nice chat with him last night. He won the thing. I talked to him before he won. He's very nice, very nice guy, very uh, gracious, very nice to people, uh, fans and stuff, I can tell. But he seems great. He's like, uh, you know, there's a whole new generation of old Jews. He's one, I'm one. It's happening. The new generation of old Jews, Apatow. Yeah, we're here. Ben Schwartz, though, today, a little younger. I uh, talked to, said hi to Ham, but I, I really went out of my way to congratulate Greta Gerwig on, on Little Women, which I think is the best movie of the year. That and Parasite. It was awkward, though, because her husband, Noah Bombeck, was right there. So I told her she made the best film of the year, and I looked at him. I said, yours is good, too. And that overcompensated. I said, as a guy who was divorced, even without kids, I found it to be very right on the money. Uh, triggering, uncomfortable, but you know, kind of going back and feeling that process where you think it's not going to end, and then it does. Shit fades, folks. Things get worked out usually. Many times not, but most of the time, yeah. One way or the other, it levels off. It levels off. All in all, a good time. Did leave and had a minor meltdown, both going and coming to the show. Coming and going. Going, it was sort of like, did I squander my talent? Did I wait too long? Did I not manage my talent correctly when I was younger? Was I too much of a loose cannon? Was I just not good at what I was doing? What happened? See these youngsters, the Nick Krolls of the world, the Ben Schwartzes of the world. Why couldn't I have just been a nice, funny Jewish kid who had his shit together as opposed to a fucking needy, broken mess of fucking 
boundaryless emotions, huh? And drugs, booze, wrong heroes, half the wrong heroes. Why couldn't I have just had it together enough? Woulda, coulda, shoulda. No good. Got through it. I will let you know what I think of the winners. On Thursday, also, I will let you know how the Vanity Fair party was. Andre Royo, who I love, who used to live by me, whose wife had a great restaurant that I enjoyed, who is great as uh, Bubbles in The Wire and anything he does. He's great. Very New York dude. Brings the city with him. You know what I mean? He's one of those cats. He exudes New York. A certain type of New York. But he comes up to me and he's like, hey, man, I'm just standing there because I'm standing out there on the fringe and my part, you know, I, I'm in an I'm on an island. I'm on the sad beach of the country of uh, the Indie Spirit Awards out, out, out towards the side door. And I'm standing there because I'm looking at the excitement on the floor and the celebrities and the people coming and going. Just kind of with a sad, yearning look on my face. I don't have time for any, during every break to run around and say hi to people I've talked to or people I think are my friends or people I hope will recognize me. I'm still a fanboy. That's why I want to get in there and watch the Oscars right now. But Royo comes up to me. He's like, hey, man. I'm like, what's up? He's like, how are you, buddy? And, like, and I'm distracted because I'm like, I feel like, I'm, why am I on the outside of this? And he's misunderstanding that. He's like, hey, you changed, man. You can't look at me while you're talking to me. I'm like, why aren't we in there, Andre? Why aren't we in the good tables? Where are you sitting, pal? I'm out here on the fringe. Now, no one's changed. I just can't focus because I feel like we're not part of it. And he told me he's doing a production of talk radio, the play, the Bogosian piece at the actors gang. And, uh, and he wants me to record the announcer's uh, voice, which I said, of course, but I'm not big time in you, pal. I'm just wondering where do we fit in brother? I know where I fit in. I do know. And I'm, I'm, I, I, and I know more and more as each day passes, my back hurts, my, my my butt hurts from squats. My toes hurt. I'm not complaining. This is where I'm at. I am the new middle-aged cranky Jew. Here's the other thing. I think Defoe's got a problem with me. But see, this is this is me projecting and assuming that I'm something I'm probably not. I interviewed Willem Defoe, and to be honest with you, if you listen to it, it was difficult because I feel like I he was kind of um, prickly. I don't know if I said something. I don't know if I rubbed them the wrong way. I don't know, but I felt that. But we did the thing. And I saw him last night and I said hi to him and he looked at me like hi. And he, but like I looked at him with familiarity and he looked at me with either like, uh, I don't like you, man. Or who's this guy? I don't know which one it was. I still don't. And then I was talking to the editor of the film The Lighthouse because she's a fan of this show, WTF. I said, I don't think he likes me. And she's, that's crazy. And then we're standing there talking to some other people and he walks up and ices me. I say something to him, just fucking literally walks through me. And I'm like, that's fucking for real. So either he thought like, who is this fucking guy? He keeps showing up and looking at me and needs something from me. Or this is this fucking guy from the garage. I don't know. I still don't know. Who cares? I'm, I'm nuts. It's not like we're buddies. 
And look, I two people came up to me last night, said hi to me like I should know them, and I didn't know them, and they both sat down with me face-to-face and interviewed me for print interviews. No idea who they were. So how am I not going to be that guy for some of the people that I interview? Huh? I'm not that memorable. Ray Liotta, on the other hand, came up to me. And he's like, hey, you know, a lot of people listen to that thing. They liked it. It was great. Just casual talk. We just talked. I'm like, hey, buddy. Noah Baumbach gave uh, two great speeches last night about writing, one about writing because he won Best Screenplay, and one about uh, making movies. You should watch it at the Indie Spirit Awards, wherever you can watch them. Oh, and by the way, the Safties won uh, Best Director for Uncut Gems. And you should watch that. They did a very funny bit of business during their acceptance speech. Now, Ben Schwartz, folks, he's of a generation of guys. I've talked to many of his friends, his peers. I know them all. Never really knew Ben. And he's done a lot of very funny things. And I was happy to talk to him. Uh, He is the voice of Sonic the Hedgehog. You might know him from Parks and Rec and all the other funny shit that he does. And I I got to know him. And you're going to hear it. The movie, Sonic. The Hedgehog drops uh, Friday, February 14th. He's also starring in the new movie Standing Up, Falling Down, which is in theaters and on demand February 21st with Billy Crystal. This is me talking to Ben upstairs in the house. You're married? No. Oh. I have a, a girlfriend. Yeah? Yeah, but I never really talk about my personal life ever. Was Nobody that cares. a warning? Do you? Do no. I? Yeah. Constantly. Your relationship? I mean... Well, this one's fairly new. I'm starting to talk about it. I'm starting to talk about... What do you mean? It's a policy? You don't talk about your personal life? No, not policy. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I just... Nobody cares. I don't think that's true, Ben. I think that, you know, you guys can do your improvs. Oh, wow. We're in it. I'm going to spit out this thing. (laughs) I was sucking on a candy just in case. That was genius. And it's all very good. Yeah. No, no. But I mean, is your girlfriend in the business? She is, yeah. But I don't, uh, yeah, you're right. I feel weird talking about it. I don't know why. It's weird. I, it, it is. Well, let's go, why do you think that? Do you feel like, um, well, you know, it is difficult to keep a private life. Are you on Twitter, Instagram, I'm and Facebook? I'm in those Facebook? things, yeah, but I've been yeah. very careful never to leak anything personal. Just because- uh, Leak. Not leak. Jesus, yeah, what no, am I, I get it. What am I, fucking deadline yeah. Hollywood? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, just the idea that uh, a private life can be this, and then a pers- and per- I feel like business is kind of up for grabs because, you know, the whole idea is you're putting stuff out sure. there. Sure. The, the branding. Do you use the word on brand? Do no. you use that phrase? <laughs> no, but I love it. What would you call on brand for you? <laughs> you know, this- Okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I uh, what did I do a joke. I complained about using the word content and on brand. Like I did a rant about it, and then I said that. And if you know me, that rant was very on brand. Got it. it yeah. That, that's uh, that's as far as I've come. Have you done a branded right. content? I guess you do commercials on new things. Like, would you do like, hey, this is me, Mark Maron, and this is a fucking guitar, and you'll play it, and then you'll like post it. Would you ever do that or no? Well, I've done it not. I not because I had to. You, you know, like I get sent shit, and I think that's the idea is that people know that if you send someone presents and they have any sort of social media presence, yeah, they will say like, "Look at what I got! I've done yeah. that." Like I, I'm very excited about this wallet. Some guy from the leather company that makes these sent me the wallet, and a nice. Oh, it's nice. The stitching is gorgeous. It's great. Yeah, and I was like, "This is great. Look at this!" And of course, that's exactly what they wanted, and that's fine. This obviously, you're here for a reason. Mm-hmm. So this is somewhat branded content, but it's not personal. That's true. Although yeah. I would do it even if I didn't have to do anything. I feel like this podcast could lend itself to not. You don't no, have to you don't have to anything. do anything. I'm not even going to talk about what you're doing. I don't even I know. It. I don't know what you've done really. I, I it's know. A different world for me. I have I a get... question for you. 
A question that a question that I often ask late night show hosts, and now that you uh-huh. have done so many uh, episodes of this, do yes. you do you really research? What do you so like? Do I do my own research? No, no, no I have no, no. a I have a person that. No, of course, yeah. What do you mean? Do I really? Because like, re- in my head, when all these late night show yeah. hosts are like, "Oh, I saw your movie yesterday," right. I was like, "There's just no way they have time to watch a movie every single night." Do you really? Every single person that come in here, have you been like, "All right, I'm going to watch some stuff. I'm going to read some stuff." Or something I have like that? to. I mean, because like those guys, you can sort of fake it for five minutes. Right, it's a little harder long. to fake for a long conversation. But I mean, but I can also I'm in a position where I can be honest with you. You know what I mean mm-hmm. about what I've seen, what I haven't seen. My knowledge of you. I don't want to hurt your feelings. No, please. <laughs> I can't like, wait for you to tell me I'm nothing. No, obviously you're not nothing. Listen, but generally I watch shit on me, Mark. No. This is why I'm here. No, you got I, a goddamn knife in front of me. There's a knife I'm literally just baiting in front. you. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But like, let's start out though. First of all, let's let's. I want to I want to follow through with this idea of because uh, I have I've made the mistake mm-hmm. of putting too much of my personal life out in the world. Okay, and uh, and and w- to find that balance between personal life, what it, because my my brand. Is you know, it's like it's just me. You're I can't open. hide behind. I'm I'm open to a degree, but it's I talk about myself. See, and this is one of the fundamental uh, sort of uh, chasms between what we do as funny people. Sure, you and me. Yes, like I I watch you you know talk a lot and dance around, and be funny, and That's make references, and I, yeah. engage, and you sing things. Oh, and I can't wait to drop. find out what you think about improv. The way you just explained what I do, I see you walk around, dance around a lot, act like a goddamn goof. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. <laughs> okay, we'll get I'm very there. impressed with their improv. I'm impressed with quick people. I think it's a fascinating thing. It's intimidating to me. Yeah. But but I do think it's interesting because I watched a, a few of the episodes of the early early show the early oh, the early, the early show. show actually I'm and proud I, that you watched that that's a great thing that you watched yeah it's I great. directed that too yeah it's a great show and I've had Lauren Lapkus on she's genius she is a genius but again like I didn't feel like I could get in there and not that it's my need yeah I th- I felt like I could connect with her to a certain degree but if you're quick and you're funny and you're spontaneous yeah. you know you can kind of fool people out of. Uh, ever really fully engaging personally? I think you. I think also <laughs> the the biggest thing you talked about because in personal life, you know, friends and everything, we're open book. We anytime yeah. I talk to anybody, I'll, you know, I love. Oh, really? I love learning and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and getting into the psychology of things. But uh, business wise, I think that's smart. I never really thought about that. Stand up, a lot of what you do, in st- or maybe the stand ups that I've seen. Yeah, you have to. You have to. You know, like let out all the personal stuff because a lot of your humor, or you, you, you right. especially like sure. you'll start with there and then you'll get to your jokes that go right. around there. But right. it's a story improv, uh, a lot of your characters will come from things you've seen in your life and stuff like that. But we never, we'll, we never really say things that are really ha- like improv shows will be characters and moments and whatever you're in that scene. Yeah, you feel right. But I never come in with a, you know, like my mom is like this or da da da. I, I, I don't. But you think it's implicit in what makes you up, anyways? Like you don't need to address it specifically. It's just there. I think that's what you call well-adjusted. It could be, yeah. <laughs> I think that's a great line. I think also just, uh, I really, I never thought about it before, but stand-up stuff is really you opening yourself up, and I feel like the comedians that I love the most are the ones that I felt like I understood the most. Yeah. Or something else, same with bands that I found when they were early. The people you find before they really blow up, and you right. feel like you have a connection with sure. them. Sure. Yeah, so with I, improv, there's aspects of that as well, because we all start, nobody gives a fuck about us. And then like slowly people are like, oh, I like these guys performing, and this, 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 and then they have, feel an attachment. 
Um, but uh, you're right. Improv, you can kind of. But you, you don't never go like. Say, but do you end up, you know, hating your improv heroes after they sell out? I mean, it's it's weird with bands where you're kind of like that really connected to me emotionally, oh, and then after the third record, you're like, I don't know who they are anymore. Yeah, <laughs> I just did this thing on Twitter. I was re- I'm really into albums being albums because uh, I grew up with a lot of best ofs. I got a whole room best. full of records now. Yes, I know. I'm well aware and guitars supposedly, but I only see one here. There's four downstairs, and there's some in the closet. You oh, want me? Sense. You want to go look in the closet right now? No, after. Do you yeah, play I would guitar? Love to. I can fake guitar. My mom's a music teacher, and my dad plays guitar uh, when I was growing up. So I love like amateur guitar. Is he yeah, play yeah. with some guys, or does he play no. the folk guitar? Or... He plays. What he was your plays dad like my acoustic. age? Uh, yeah, he's 72. He's your age. <laughs> he's exactly your age. He's from the South Bronx. He loves, but like that's James Taylor. Like so, it's like folk sure. stuff. So he, he can finger pick and whatnot. A little bit. A yeah. little bit. Uh, so wait, what were we, we were just talking about? Um, we're all gonna die. Yeah. Well, that's that's inevitable, and I think we're all sort of it's uh, accepting that. That's difficult. You yes. know, you can say it intellectually, right? You know it in your heart and you know it in your mind. We're I'm gonna terrified die. of death. Yeah. yeah, but but like, but do you are you actively terrified on a day to day basis? Do you have to get there? Like, let's say it's an acting exercise. Like, I know I'm going to die. I want it to be fast. As I get older, I, I feel it coming quicker. But like, I don't really get scared until I'm in bed and I've convinced myself that I'm dying soon. And then, like, if what does I it fi- take for you to get there? What does it take for you to feel like, fuck, I'm dying soon? A lump, you know. Uh, oh, like a scare. You need, like, you need, yeah, like. Yeah, like, a, I haven't felt well in a couple of days. Is this it? Yes. Is the cancer coming? What yeah, is yeah, it? Yeah. When, how is it going to oh, happen? Oh, this is going to be great. Yes. I understand <laughs> all these things. I'll feel like a pain in a part of my body. You're like, like, oh, there's a tumor in there. I right, have a something. Tumor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. Oh, so that's good. So you're self centered. and you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But even when I was a kid. Do you spin kid, out, though? Uh, I can, you know what I do? I, what's it called? There's a um, spiral. I'll spiral yeah, yeah, out. Yeah. Like if one thing I can, uh, I think I have a little bit of OCD because I'll like harp on something quite a bit and like with numbers and stuff like that. But um, when I spiral, I'll go on one thing and I'll draw, I'll be the one that makes it bigger than it is in my head. Right. Always. I, th- well, I think OCD, even on a, because I think I have a little of it too, but I think that is uh, in a sense, sort of a, a, a kind of. A, a, a replacement for a spiritual system. I think there's something about repetition and focusing on something mundane or something that you can do over and over again sure. that gets you out of yourself, that comforts you, that grounds you. It's like if you if you sort of get into a, a pattern of something, a rhythm, yeah. so you can kind of refocus and kind of ground yourself. I find that a lot of my stuff, because uh, there, I mean, I've learned that I was a psych major growing up. I was a psych anthro major in college. I wasn't, this this didn't, this wasn't, in, in my house, this wasn't like a thing we talked about being an actor or writer or something like that. So um, one of the things that I found is that, like, uh, I know there's a huge spectrum of people that have severe OCD yeah. that I've met, and I talk about, like, oh, I have a little bit of OCD. They're yeah. like, you have no idea what you're talking about, which I agree. I yeah, don't. it's miserable for those people. Yes, yeah, and no. on the lower end of the spectrum where I am, it's like when I lock my car, I have to go back and check sometimes when I lock my door. Yeah. And I find it's a lot of safety stuff yeah. that I think my dad did, and, like, my dad likes being safe. So, like, all those things, I'll lock my car twice, I'll check it twice, I'll check the door twice, I'll leave the I'll leave the house and be like, fuck, I got to get back and check. Yeah. That's the stuff. But that's also probably an aspect of spiral too thinking of one thing and not letting it out of my brain till I make sure it's fine yeah I don't yeah I guess so I don't I, like I've done I've been doing a joke about it occasionally about how the the, the there is a silver lining to OCD because every time you go back to see if the gas is on every time it's not on you get that same feeling of relief yeah that's <laughs> yeah you win either uh, way yeah, you either yeah, save yeah, yourself yeah. or you're right oh, okay great yeah 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 every <laughs> it's time a great line. how many <laughs> How many times did you, you get that in a day? Man, you know what I mean? At 72, you still got it. <laughs> Thank you, know you very I mean? much. I'm still Don't clicking. read the comments. Not at 72, best. you still got it. I don't read the comments ever. I read one comment, it unravels me completely. So let's go back. 
So Schwartz, I knew a Schwartz. Everyone knows a Schwartz. Yeah, sure. Uh, my, PD, my first pediatrician was a Schwartz. Okay, it was either that a lawyer became, or a pediatrician? Yeah, it was a sordid tale. He eventually, I don't know, something went wrong, killed himself in a hotel room. But nonetheless- Is that for real? That's for real. Oh my God. Uh, Dr. Larry Schwartz, it was a sad story where I grew up. He, uh, he his, his son was my brother's good friend, and then, I don't know, he left his wife or his uh, woman who works in his office, and then that went wrong, and he ended up in a hotel room, and that's that. Uh, I apologize to bring it down. No, please. Let's but you know, see what Schwartz happens is, while we're down there's here. a full range of Schwartz. Oh, yeah. There's a lot sure. of Schwartzes. Schwartz means there's, son. Yeah, there's there's non Jew Schwartzes and Jew Schwartzes. Are there? I don't think I met a non Jew. I think oh, there's Sh- a oh, yeah. yeah. German Schwartz. Yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah. No, no, I think there is. Yeah, I think there. it's like uh, there's a couple of names that you assume are Jew, but they're, they can go either way. Yeah. And you're always disappointed when they're not. Yes. I like, met a Jew? Couple. And they're like, what? No. Yeah. How, how is that possible? What a that? bummer. Yeah. We were <laughs> so close. How are you a Rosenberg and not. <laughs> Your name is Moisha Dridlewitz and you're not Jewish? <laughs> how is that possible? How is that possible? My parents were hippies that doesn't make sense no <laughs> none so okay so where'd you grow up i grew up in riverdale which is the northern oh, part the of the bronx pretty and then my it's pretty really the pretty bronx. yes very pretty yeah. and then my parents were uh grew up in the southern bronx what like does that mean? 176 and Grand Ave is where they- You they, say that like it's like a, another part of the country. The Southern Bronx By the way, people Riverdale. in the Bronx, uh, yeah. I learned at a young age yeah. that I can't say like, hey, I'm from the Bronx. They're like, you're not, you're from the North. You're from like right near Westchester. Like, you're not from Fort Apache. That's exactly, they're, yeah, they're like, yeah, yeah. this is so I've learned. But my parents were from there, grew up uh, poor, stuff like that, worked their butts off so me and my sister could have a You grew up poor middle. Jews? We I was middle class. My middle parents class worked there. Working Jews. It's nice. Yes, my mom has been a music teacher for fifty years. I think my aunt's a teacher, and like, yeah, it's nice. It's noble. It's great. Yeah, and your dad, what social work? My dad, yeah. How, oh my I god, you, you do do research. Oh, I brought it up uh, briefly, okay. but I didn't know. What's that. the one thing that you what? learned from research researching me that that you were like happy with? One thing that I was happy with, or just the one thing that stuck out. Um, well, I sort of like in my, the way I do research is I kind of like, I just kind of dig bits and pieces and see if something congeals. Okay. And I think what, what I, I connected to, uh, immediately after reading a bit and then watching some stuff you did was that you are the kind of sort of bright, well-adjusted, um, you know, a, a person, a Jew that has boundaries and, and is able to apply his talent and intelligence to his life. Uh, whereas I, you know, struggle with all of those. So I... <laughs> <laughs> We're the perfect so, yin yang. That's right. I, I'm like he's exactly the kind of uh, smart Jewish kid that I really resent most of the time. Would you ever do improv if uh, I asked you to come? Are we on doing st- it? Yes, but I'm saying oh. if we went on stage and got a suggestion, do you think you could do it and not be like this is fucking stupid? Or no, no, it's not that it's fucking stupid. I just get intimidated. I think. Look, I improvise all of my stand up. That's how I and write this, all these. Sure, that's how I write. I go up there and I got nothing. Last night I did three sets and I started with some ideas and see if they evolve and you know where they and I find the funny on stage alone. Yeah, I, I do feel a lot of pressure from the pace of improvisation. Mm-hmm. I haven't done a lot of it. I've stayed away from it. Because I find that, uh, like, I, it makes me uh, insecure. It makes me nervous. It makes oh, that's me interesting. like it feels too competitive to me. That's so funny because stand up to me yeah. is the thing that feels so competitive. I started off trying to do stand up at the beginning, and I found it very difficult, uh, yeah. very difficult, and very lonely. That you, you know, because at the beginning you, it's those bringer shows, and also you're doing five minutes mostly amongst right. other comedians. Yeah. Uh, and it was very scary to me and stuff like that. And then when I did improv, it felt like if I failed, I failed with a group. Maybe that makes me like, you know, but whatever. But see, like, I guess that's one way to look at it. Or maybe you get off and you failed with the group, but they're like, what the fuck happened out there, Ben? Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's you. Yeah, yeah. Like, how did you drop the ball on that? Yeah. You said no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's all it takes, I guess. What? One no and the whole thing's yeah, fucking over. You fucking idiot. Yeah, you fucking asshole. Why'd you make it about you? We were in a good flow. <laughs> yeah. 
But uh, so like, and I judged improv for a long time, but I find that you guys seem to, you, you have a nicer, uh, you integrate better. You know what I mean? Okay. So, yeah, Into up. the society? Into the society, into show business. You know, you do the improv thing. You know how to work with people. You know how to write things. You know how to produce things. Writing has you been a little how... bit easier since I since I improv. Writing yeah, has been Yeah, because you're easier. working with people. You know, stand ups yeah. are weird. You know, gypsies. They're out by themselves. They're 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 morally corrupt. <laughs> they're, yeah. They're out in the world in hotel rooms a lot of times. <laughs> it's another planet. Yeah. But there's a whole generation of stand ups that are uh, of your ilk that are uh, seemingly more well adjusted. But I don't know, man. You know, you want to get in there. You want to see what's really going on. Well, it's weird because it took me a while to understand Mulaney because- uh, Oh, he, I love Mulaney's stuff. No, I'm sure. He, you know, and he's of your generation. Sure. But it, it was something about his patter that alienated me. Like, it, it just was moving, you know, too quickly. It seemed a little disingenuous. It was almost a character. But then I watched him a little bit. I'm like, oh, he's talking about some seriously dark shit here. He's just sort of burying it in yeah. this kind of almost 1930s-ish patter. Yeah, 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 yeah. He feels like an old old comedian. So, okay, so your parents, uh, old school, uh, kind of like liberal, progressive, educational Jews? Yes, Jewish, Democrats, fighting for any, any type of rights they can fight for for everybody. Very, very... So you very grew up wonderful with that. parents. Yes. How many always. siblings? One sister who's a therapist now and a wonderful human being with two kids. So really, that's yep. nice. So therapy was, uh, did you do therapy when you were younger? No, I started therapy when I was uh, 30 some 32, which is funny because my dad was a social worker. My sister, you know, was a therapist and I was a psych major. But I, I don't know why I waited so long, but I, I love therapy. Well, let's talk about social work because I'm sort of fascinated with that. I don't know a lot about it. Sure. I've interviewed one social worker. But she's more of a, uh, not a clinician, more of a researcher, uh, yeah. Bre- Brene Brown. I'm kind of fascinated with it. To me, it seems like a very thankless kind of noble job yeah. to, uh, to sort of be there for people uh, who need it, who might not be able to afford it as a service to sort of help better the fucking world. Yes. And so he did that. It seems like a yeah. harrowing thing. My dad worked at the YMHA, which is like the Jewish version of the YMCA. And he worked in it in the Bronx. And then uh, later he went into real estate, but he did that for uh, quite a bit. So my experience with him doing that type of stuff is going to, you know, like our version of the yeah. YMCA and there being basketball and stuff like that. But not that. a Jewish community center. No, it wasn't like a JCC. Uh, but maybe it was. I don't know. Sounds I was kind of. Yeah, it sounds kind of like it. It was fun. You were what? Young when you got out of it or he what? He got out of it when I was around 11. Oh, so you we moved to Westchester when I was 11. So he did all right in real estate. He did all right in he did all right in real estate. Allowed us to go to Westchester. <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah. Westchester's nice. Very nice. Yeah. Suburbs, stuff sure. like that. Yeah. Like Chappaqua, where were you? No, but Chappaqua is where my sister lives. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, we lived in a place called Edgemont, which mm-hmm. is right next to Scarsdale. It like owns Scarsdale. It's the same place. Very fancy. From Scarsdale. Oh yeah, yeah. I had some friends, the Melmans, Ch- uh, David Schwartz, Larry uh, Schwartz. No, I don't know them. Don't okay. know them. They Didn't are... he pass away? Wasn't that your that pediatrician? Was, that was Albuquerque. Albuquerque. I, I grew up of in course. Albuquerque. Yeah. yeah. So Stephen Schwartz was uh, probably still around. But um, all right. So you're Jewing it up. You're Schwartz. Oh my it. God, I am Jewing it. <laughs> I'm Jewing it up. <laughs> what was your theme for your bar mitzvah? We is before themes. So what did you I'm do? Like I'm, I, I, um, what do we do? I, you know, my guitar teacher's band played. So I was able to sit in with the band for a couple of Oh, you of numbers. must have loved yeah. that. And we you know, we did it at the house. The party was at the house. 
Uh, I remember my mother was upset with the photographer because he got drunk and he was wandering around. There was a lot of backs of people. Yeah, 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 yeah. You sure. had a theme? Did you have a bar mitzvah theme? Basketball. I'm, I love basketball. Still. So, so did what? There were outfits. Every table had a what? A we, team every what? your every table had a basketball on it, and we uh, gave away little backboards <laughs> uh, to to everybody so they could like shoot around and stuff with like that. With your name on it, with like uh, no, ben we Schwartz didn't have that kind mitzvah. of money. You would think move Westchester would have that kind of it was just like no. And then everybody signed a picture of me and my German Shepherd. I think that was the thing you signed. Uh-huh. Yeah. How'd you do on the bar mitzvah? Did you do Friday and Saturday? How Jewish are you? Conservative, reform? No, we're, we're, we are not that. We th- we always, when we talk about Judaism, my family is like, we love the tradition of it, love the family of it, uh-huh. but we're not going to synagogue very often outside of maybe reform? a high holy day. I guess you would call it So that. what, just the Friday night you did, probably with another kid on your One bar mitzvah? One day, yeah. No, yeah, was, we doubled it up. <laughs> we got a cheaper price. It they was do me. that sometimes. No. Yeah, I've seen it With the same time. rabbi? Yeah, no, no. They just, like, it's just the date falls on the same date, and they split up the service, and there's two bar mitzvahs, and they knock it out. I had the same rabbi who did my parents' wedding, and then did my uh, sister's bat mitzvah, really? and then was like a rebellious rabbi who went and like fought causes. It was great. And then right after that, we did the party at some, you know, The place Righteous nearby. Rabbi. Righteous Rabbi. Yeah. We, could, we could write that Quibi show in like two days. Yeah, it'd be great. Hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, all right. So, as a kid, you're fascinated. Your, your sister's older? Sister's three years older. Huh. Her name is Marnie. Well, that's nice. Yeah, she's great. older sister. So that you know, that's a good influence for a yeah. young man. That probably helps you be well adjusted. She was the one that like introduced me to to rock music and stuff like that. Her musical taste really affected my musical taste. Now this is interesting because I don't know that I've talked to a guy who had the older sister mm-hmm. uh, running the show in terms of influences. Well, she's the thing about your older. No, sibling, I know it's usually always the, the cooler. She knows far more than I do about that. Stuff. Right. Well, usually I, I remember most of who I've talked to. They have older brothers, or they got the guy they know from down the street who's got an older brother. Yeah. There's, there's some source, but the source for you was your sister. For for rock music, it was my sister. So for what, Pink what, Floyd and Guns and Roses, and oh, like, so she was hard. She, 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 was, I, the, she, she, it really connected with her. She did and then the thing. I went to. Uh, I was really big into soul music because yeah. my parents. We grew up on like um, Sam Cooke and Jackie Wilson and Stevie wow. Wonder. Those yeah. are the things when we had uh, a CD folks? player. Yes, uh-huh. that's what they loved. And then we would do Paul Simon and we would do James Taylor, Jim Croce. So uh, like it yeah. would it would go between those two a lot. I think Paul Simon is required for Jews. I think it's uh, you have no choice. Yeah, Simon gotta, and Garfunkel is in everybody's yeah, for sure. Yes, I am a rock. Uh, you have to be. I mean, there's definitely a bridge <laughs> over some sort of water for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but then from that, my musical taste really pushed into uh, 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 R&B and hip hop. But yeah. I would listen to like very smooth R&B uh, in the 90s when like Tony my, Braxton Tony Braxton is one of them but there's like a guy named David Hollister yeah. that I listened to and like all these like or like Genuine where my friends would come into the car and yeah. it would be like very sexy in my car and like right. a little bit too weird for everybody <laughs> so like I had to slowly go from that to like <laughs> the, rap and stuff like slow that slow song at the club in your That's, car yeah I loved it because it reminded me of like there's a guy named Music Soul Child who's still yeah. around who sounds like Stevie Wonder so yeah. I listened to him because he sounded like Stevie and then I started loving that music right and just loving all of that music that's, that's great music yeah it's weird because there, on the first Paul Simon record and on the Simon Garfunkel record I think it was first where I, I started to visualize sex because which, which track made well uh, like cecilia making oh, love in the afternoon to great cecilia yeah. up in my bedroom right and then on on there's a there's a song called duncan on the first solo album paul simon's duncan is my name and here's my story oh i don't know yeah it. and he makes love to a girl in the tent i think or outside somewhere oh and that's so and i was just sort of hearing it in the back of the station wagon like what is that what are they what are they doing you were know, you listening kinda, to music the first when you lost your virginity were you listening to music no, I was just in a lot of panic, and uh, there was no, there was no uh, like a Kathy cartoon. It was like, like a, 
Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it was like it was. I had much too long to think about it. She was older. She was a waitress at this restaurant I was working at oh, wow. when I was like sixteen or seventeen, and it was sort of like you know we're going to do this. You know, come over at this time, and it was not great. It was it was it was not. There was not a lot of feelings there. Uh, I was attracted. It, it took more time than it should have. Did it Didn't turn you off to long. having sex because of it? No, I, I think I saw, like, I, I think innately, like, the first decade of my sex was sort of like, I'm going to get this right. I'm going to get the hang of this. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, gonna, yeah. I'm going to nail this. I'm going to master yeah, this. Yeah, eventually I'm going to get this. Yes. And it took, you know, a decade at least. Yeah. Sure, of course. What about you? What were you listening to when you first the did TV, it? The TV was on. Uh, um, I forget what thing, but I remember the TV being on because I was able to watch TV, and then and then we were start, and then things started happening, I That's believe. funny because, like, there is that moment, and I think it still happens to this day with people where, you know, theoretically you could have turned the TV off, but you couldn't. No, like imagine that. Oh my God! It's, if you were panicked, <laughs> yeah, imagine. Like, I'm like rolling. a fucking we're Jewish going. Muppet. Yeah, I'm like, okay, here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. Oh my God, this is happening. Yeah, no time to. Yeah, yeah. you just hope that it's not like a horror movie or yeah, something yeah. weird in the background. So, uh, did you like the girl? I did like the girl. Were you yeah. like boyfriend I, and girlfriend kind of thing? No, we we had a uh, we had done stuff a, a little bit before. Then I went to college, and I had this realization in college. I had this very uh, I had this thought that oh, I feel like I'm gonna lose my virginity to just someone random or right. something like that and um you just it's in your mind you got to do it it's something you have to get is. done and if you get out of high school and it's still there it's problematic i didn't i didn't uh <laughs> i did a freshman year i don't think yeah or the first term of freshman year i didn't and me and my roommate as jokes put zeros above our beds oh, so i really thought you're gonna say me and my roommate just did it we, we just weren't fucked. gay yeah and we just fucked no we, like, we had Let's get to it out of the way we had just get it just mark it up on the board kind of <laughs> and we loved it i have not talked <laughs> to him since <laughs> it was awkward but you know it we, was awkward but it felt yeah, perfect felt right it felt yeah. per- and to be honest yeah. i don't feel like i've ever had sex after that because that's all i know i think you got to reevaluate her life i think we're finding the reason why you don't like her talking about your personal life yeah i think because it's all a lie all of it all of it okay so but that from that experience i was like you know what there was someone in uh, high school that was so much fun that we, we didn't even like boyfriend girlfriend but we like you yeah, know all this stuff around so we we hung, uh, we hung out and did that and it was great and it was super fun and i liked the idea of doing it with someone i knew and trusted and stuff like that and then when i went back to college it didn't feel as big of a deal but there was that moment oh, so you went home from college we had it was trimester so we went home for big chunks two times and you just were sort of like hey what's up and you did yeah it. and it was just totally awesome and had great. she done it she probably had, yeah. Yeah, you didn't do any research? She yeah. definitely had. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> she, I mean, she 100%. <laughs> okay. Yeah, now we're starting to diminish her character. Yeah, she, oh, she oh fucked everybody. No, 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 no. <laughs> she was loved, but it was really fun to do it with somebody yeah. with, that I trusted and liked and thought was a cool person. And because I remember being in college and they're feeling like pressure- and I'm, I'm that that stuff hitting on women and stuff like that is yeah. not. I'm not great at that stuff. So it's like, uh, it felt like a lot of pressure. And then I was like, oh, I'm just gonna lose it to like some random person. Right. Probably. How much more fun would it be to lose it to someone who's fun and right, we're both on the same page? Not yeah. Laugh and at we you. dig each other, and it's yeah. like exactly. Right. Who's not gonna laugh at you? <laughs> your 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 push for sex. Yeah. Is yeah. There. yeah. You don't want to be in an embarrassing situation. Have you had sex where it's very embarrassing? Uh. I'm sure. I mean, isn't it all embarrassing yeah, on some level if you break Everything. it down? Like, you know, if you if you pull yourself out of the zone for a second, usually there's like, this is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, Look at, yeah. What are you doing down there? Yes. So, you know. <laughs> what are you doing down there? That's true. But it's interesting. You can talk about your past personal life, but not your current personal life. I like keeping it separate. I really- yeah, uh, your, What, your past and your current? Yeah. My, yeah. Cur- <laughs> my Just my current stuff. I don't know. Personal stuff to me sounds like- mm. 
uh, I don't know. I see some. There's some huge stars that they can't like do anything. I'm obviously yeah. nowhere near that. I'm the lowest end of the spectrum. But uh, uh, then I have some friends that are movie stars that have have just been like, oh yeah, I just don't ever talk about this stuff. And then nobody goes into it. And I was like, oh, that sounds so fun to have like something that's mine. And then they're you know, well, like, it's nice because it's a boundary. It's called, and you know, the psychological patter, yep. psychology patter banter it's a it's a maintaining a boundary i think that's because it. like as soon as you let a little out that means like when you're walking around instead of people you know asking you about uh you know parks and rec or or whatever yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, they're like how's uh how's what's your name yeah and it feels yeah. more like but the best part is yeah. all my friends that i know will yeah. ask of course about or ask about my parents who or are your about, friends uh, so far it's you yeah uh downstairs yeah. Uh, <laughs> a couple yeah. cats yeah. Um, that's basically it no but like who's your crew i have my, so i have uh one or two guys from high school so i that I've had for my whole ride. But like, who are your personal friends that I know? Because I knew you come up with a certain group. Oh, there's a group. So like, there's this guy named Gil Ozeri that I'm very close with. I don't know if you know him. He lives in Glendale, very, you know, very nearby. Yeah. Yeah. But I think he's uh, the funniest person I've ever met in my life. Really? Mm -hmm. Is he he in show business? Yeah, he's an improviser. Me, him, and a guy named Adam Pally, who you may know on the show. No, I didn't have him on the show, but I like him. I thought there was talk of it. Yeah. He's another Jew that does the Jeff Boehner movies, right? Yes, he does Jeff Bain movies. Yeah, I like that guy. He seems like yeah. somebody I would relate to. Yes, he's lovely. The three he of us. He seems like a nice guy. He seems a little more tormented than you. Doesn't seem the same kind yeah, of. Yeah, you probably you. get you probably get a juicier conversation. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are different uh, frequency of semantics. Yes, which is funny because yeah. the him, me, Adam, and Gil had a team called Hot Sauce, and that was kind of what hit us in improv. Nobody was coming to our shows, and then slowly people were coming yeah. to our shows. And then I feel like you always remember that group. Yeah. Um, so like Gil was one of those people uh, in that group. And it's just the guy that, you know, I've stayed very close with and also. So just that was the first crew. Hot Sauce was the first crew. Hot Sauce was the one that hit. Like we went to the Montreal Comedy Festival the first year they invited sketch teams. Wow. Which was big because Bob and David were uh, hosting it. So for us, that's insane. I, I remember when Bob and David were in Montreal. I remember. <laughs> just uh, they were. I, I don't think they, were they doing. I think they were doing it together. But there was a guy up there the year uh, uh, on the French week that actually he could, you know, farted songs. It was like a legit An actual comedy act. flatulence. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think Bob and Dave did a, a bit where he they mocked that guy. Like I think Bob was off stage making the fart sounds, and Dave was putting the mic in his. Oh, ass. that's great. Yeah. Uh, okay. Wait. So let's let's go back before we get into uh, hot sauce because it seems very important. Sure. So. You don't do any theater or comedy in high school? None, because I was too afraid. I was too afraid that I'd audition and they'd tell me it wasn't funny or good. Audition for what? Oh, for plays. M- musicals? Because oh, my yeah. mom was a music teacher. So I was in you all county. You seem to like to sing. I, I do like to sing. I was in all county chorus when yeah. I was in high school. A soprano when I was in high school. Really? Yep. And then my voice dropped. And But I was always afraid that if I auditioned, I'd find out I'm not good at any. I'd find out I'm not good. I'm not a good singer. So I just never took the chance. And it took me a while, huh. like- for comedy, it was a big deal for me to go after it. So in college, uh, my girlfriend at the time in college pushed me to audition for the improv team. By the way, she's wonderful, and thank goodness yeah. for her because uh, I wanted to so badly Im- audition for the improv team. Yeah. But in my head, everybody in my little group of friends thought I was very funny. In high school. In college. In college. Second and year. So, yeah. And so um, I was afraid that if I auditioned for the people that were really funny because they made the group... I would find out that I'm not funny and I'm terrible, and so I was really nervous, and I never. I you didn't wouldn't do have done it if she didn't push me. I wouldn't have done it, and Wait, I don't and know what my job would have been, by the way. Mm. 
in general? You don't know where your life would have gone? Yeah, I was a, I went for one summer, I worked at a sneaker store in college, and then the next summer, probably another sneaker store, and then I did- Two a, sneaker stores? Same sneaker possible? store, two years oh. in a row, in White Plains, uh, Bronxville maybe, yeah. and then- and then a What's paralegal. Cool? I tried to. I tried to be like a attempt oh, for a paralegal. So you went through that like six month period where like I'm going to be a lawyer, Dad. My dad. Literally, my dad's like, I can try to get you a thing as like attempt yeah. at a paralegal yeah. thing. Yeah, I'm going to be a lawyer, Dad. Literally. Yeah. So then, I, so I was like, oh, I guess this is what I'm going to do, yeah. and uh, I just never because also nobody in my family was an actor or anything. So yeah, but that's wasn't. interesting to me is that like there there is that. That that fear that I mean you obviously had it it's sort of confidence problem about you know auditioning absolutely but that can be paralyzing right and and it can really be you know painful and 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 lead to a lot of sort of self judgment and self abuse absolutely so once this woman convinced you to do it did that kind of like work for the rest of your life like was it that audition that you realized like oh, I'm I can do this the audition I remember going not great because I was so nervous. There have been a couple times where I'm in a situation where- Oh, we just spend the whole so day nervous. or a week thinking about it? Oh my God, yeah. That's and the worst, At man. the beginning of your career the also- The worst, when you're, when you're a comic and you've got five jokes and you just spend a week before you have to do three minutes. Yeah, I'm sure. Just kind of like, oh, fuck. This is going to be hard. And it's like, and you look back at that, like, what the fuck were we thinking? And it probably ruined you. The, probably the most nervous I was for an audition was for the Harold team, which is the house team for UC sure, Upright Citizens Herald, Brigade. Yeah. I was, because I wanted so badly to be a part of it. And we were doing shows, but like you weren't considered like a part of the theater back then in New York until you were like on a house team. Because that means one of the higher ups said he's good enough to be on a house team. And I was so nervous. And I remember I auditioned three times. First time I was I was too young. I barely started doing improv. I shouldn't have done it. Second time I was <laughs> too, too young for improv. That's a really grown up thing. You really gotta. <laughs> it's like you don't want to get in, in terms there of too classes. Young. In right. terms of classes, I'd taken yeah. like one class. I just wasn't uh, wasn't mature enough yeah, to handle to, the improv. To pretend I could jump into someone's asshole and it'd be a different universe. <laughs> I just wasn't there yet yeah, to yeah, play yeah. a clown that like, also farts out of his dick. <laughs> um, not yet, but I, soon I was able to really take Thank that God. on. Thank oh my God. God. I had to find that. I had to center myself. But 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 no, seriously though, do you think? that first moment where she you know talked you into it and you got through it did you, and you got on the improv thing uh it was I, I think i did poorly and then her friend her name was tina and her friend's name was katie yeah and katie was on the improv team, right and she's like she went to bat for you she might have and she probably helped me or maybe i'm by the way oftentimes i'll come out of an audition and be like fuck i sucked yeah. and in the elevator I'll do this. If, if nobody's in the elevator, I'll go over my lines over and over again on the entire on the elevator way down, down. On the way home? Yep, on the way down from the elevator. Let's say yeah. I audition and I go into the elevator. And he's, and he's, this is if I wasn't happy with yeah, what I did. Right. And I'll replay it being like, what? No, this is how I should, you know. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or just hear it in my head. Yeah. Because oftentimes also when you audition, it's the first time you're doing it with somebody. Yeah, do you ever go back and go like, hey, hey, sorry. <laughs> oh, I got it this time. I got it this time. <laughs> yeah. There was an audition for a big thing I did once where yeah. I did it once and I realized I wasn't, I wasn't going to be chosen, but yeah. I really wanted to be in the movie. So I was like, right. hey, can I get one more? I'm so sorry. Yeah. And I did it again. And I could see that their faces, they're so nice, but I could see I wasn't going to get it. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, one more? And yeah. he's like, so nice. He's like, okay, Ben, one more. And then I was like, oh, I'm not getting it. But they knew role. you. They, I think they knew of me. Okay, so- Nobody knows me. So so you're second year of college. What college? Went to Union College. It's a liberal arts school in upstate New York in Schenectady, New York. I know where Schenectady is. Oh, nice. Yeah, my uh, my one of my roommates from college came from Schenectady. Did he go to school there? No, he went to school in uh, BU. I was at BU. Schenectady used to be called the Electric City because GE came there and brought an influx right. of money. And then- GE slowly sucked the money from the city. I know electricity left. But isn't it insane <laughs> yeah. that they still it still had the nickname Electric City, even though that was one of the Those, things. There's that so was... many great cities up in like Troy, Albany, yes. Schenectady. Yes, that's that, right or that, Like Troy, 
is another kind of beat up city, but there's such beautiful history there and beautiful buildings. I yeah. did a, a show in Troy in a concert hall from the 1800s that had perfect uh, acoustics, and it was crazy. Yeah. They still had the racks on the back of the chairs for top hats. Oh, like, that's amazing. I love shit like yeah, that. Yeah, it was amazing. I have a typewriter. I love using my typewriter and sending out real letters. I love using things they were back in the day. Sure. It's like time travel. Thing. Yes. Yeah. That really connects with it. So but I will you, say that when the audition for that initial improv thing yeah. was incredibly nervous, but the thing that started gaining me confidence yes. was doing the rehearsals and having people laugh and- that's what slowly having an audience and having someone validate right that, um, right someone that had been doing it for a little bit saying that I was funny was a very very big deal but, but you said you were funny to your group of friends so you kind of knew you could land the shit right yeah but you know how many of us are fucking funny to our group of I friends know but were really you annoying try. were you annoying I wonder I'm, I guess to some people probably I'm sure I'm because I feel like I now. feel like you you like to like and I'm I'm pretty easily annoyed but for some reason you don't annoy me but I think you could be annoying okay <laughs> that's great you think I have that switch I, no no I just think it's like depends who you are like for some reason like like there's people who uh, are but you're very funny and you're very quick and and but there's a there's a confidence there that would generally get under my skin but it doesn't I'm, I'm happy about that because I feel like I'm not uh, Maybe I think there is a fundamental thing in there. I, I don't know if it's a Jew thing. I think it's like you may be confident, but you're still neurotic. Yes, well, very much so. Confidently neurotic. Do you know what also I find uh, that's oh, been no. very helpful what? is uh, I was a psychanthro major. I didn't think I was going to do this, so I didn't like the first time you I started. You said that twice. You didn't think you were doing really. What proud. did you? But what did you think you were going to do with a psychanthro major? You're absolutely correct. I don't even know what my. You options didn't think you were going to do this. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but what you're going to say? You didn't think you were going to do this. I didn't think I was going to do this. Oh, I didn't think I was going to uh, do this. So yeah. my whole background didn't involve researching movies or TV or comedy. So uh -huh. I like got my education or whatever version of that education was. Uh, so when I came into acting later, yeah. um, it was like so fresh and new and all that stuff. And I came in with the experience of being uh, those things and researching those things. Uh, what, the psych and anthro Yeah, because I feel like I've met a bunch of people. And I've met people who've been acting since they've been like five and they're incredible. Uh, but then I've met people that have been acting since five and they have a different kind of flow to them because their life has been consumed by entertainment. No, I think that's really true. And I think that it's like a fairly, I mean, there are people that love things like I love the movies and stuff, but like there's a generation that's younger than me that you like, you you guys are younger yeah. where, you know, you actually, the, the information about show business had broken open enough that the process of getting into it was fairly, you, you know, well documented. Yes. Like for when I was a kid, 13 or 14, and the first season of SNL was on, it was just, you, there was no way for me sitting in my living room, staying up too late, could even figure out how one gets there. Of course. But over time, because of like access and, and you know, the, the breaking open of media in general, there, there are people that are like, I studied it. I knew how he got in. I knew this, how this guy got in. Yeah. I knew the whole system. And, you know, I, there was a path that I could at least try to, to take. Yes. That, that, that seemed to be possible. I think so. I think also the thing that came out I, when I was coming up, YouTube just came out. And uh -huh. like college humor, all these things. So I also knew yeah, that- Yeah, none of that. We had none of that. We had three none. stations and uh, and comedy clubs. Yep. There was no outlet for you to be seen by more than, like when we do improv shows for at the beginning for nobody, 
Only the people that would know us are the people that came to that improv show. But then slowly I saw that things were going on the internet. So you had to, I had to learn how to make videos and who to hook up with and to make videos. And you did video. do it. I work, I've, I, I, that is one thing that I've, uh, because my parents worked hard every single day. So but, I but you, but, but Right. Yeah. But you worked in a way that, you know, served your talents. You didn't just sort of spin. Yes. But I also did anything I could. So like there was a freelance job at Toy Fair Magazine. So I wrote for anybody that would let me write. I freelance Toy jokes. Fair Magazine? Exactly. It's a magazine that would highlight toys that are coming out or Wizard, which how is like a comic book. Um, I was probably uh, uh, 21 or All right, well, let's that. go back, though, real quick. So anthro and psychology. Now, these, like, you majored in anthropology, undergraduate? Yeah. You got so, your degree in anthropology? Uh, I did a dual major. It's called an interdepartmental major, so it was anthro and psych. Okay, and, and you was that a common thing? You you decided that? I You could do it, you did it. I found in college that I would just keep taking classes with the teachers I liked, and the teachers were in psychology <laughs> and anthropology. I did that, too, and then you kind of cobbled together a major. That's literally you, what you, happened. You're sitting there going, like, what, I can I can have a film studies minor? Yep. Through the art history department with one other class? Fuck, great. Because who knows what they're going to do in college? I had no some idea. People, I mean, most people just waste the time, but I think some people. Uh, well, I mean, I think given like you brought up similarly to me, if you have supportive parents that want you to learn, mm-hmm. like there's a certain premium put on education. Certainly with Jews, it's just a traditional thing. Absolutely, you know, you better be smart when they come to get us, so you, <laughs> so you can fit in somehow. It's a survival technique for sure. That's for sure. so funny to even think I mean, about that. Become necessary, or else they're going <laughs> to. That's You're going to go down. Yes, have a skill set quickly. That's right. That's right. You know, learn oh, to do wow. something they can't, or yeah. else they'll, they'll they'll just put you in the ground. Education was not even a thing to debate. There was always it was always going to be. It's also that a way. Talmudical thing. It, it is a like it is yes, always been the there. Torah and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. But uh, all right. So, but like I was encouraged to do whatever. I, in some ways, I wish I had more focus, but I did uh, appreciate the general liberal arts education. Yep. But what were you like? Anthropology to me, like I could. I think that would be very interesting. I mean, what was- It was. I think you'd love it, by the way. So for my senior thesis, George Gamelch and Sharon Gamelch were the anthropology teachers Gamelch? that I had. Uh, Gamelch? G-M-E-L-C-H. I like that, I like that name. Gamelch. Great name. Yeah. Um, and they, they, every year, they would do a term abroad. I never left the country. My parents don't really- The Gamelches would go abroad? That's exactly correct. <laughs> we can do that fucking crackle series, too, if you want. <laughs> but it's, so we went to Ireland. I'd never been anywhere. I was just there. I love it. I, I've been there three times now. See, I what, love what it. The fuck is with us man but where just, did you stay dude i've been obsessed with ireland for years it's gorgeous and i i know but like i feel it deeply and i'm like i'm not irish i'm a jew why is this happening yeah but they're heavy-hearted people they're reflective poetic people you yes know, they, and uh, you know they've taken some shit but uh, we just went uh, the person downstairs and myself yeah, the wonderful person downstairs. oh she's the best the best the director lady she's great. so um You've been. We went to Kilkenny. Okay. And so, but, just out of nowhere, what what compelled you to go? Um, I, I like the word compelled. I love I use it. it a lot. It's like from The Exorcist. And if you can use any like word of the day shit you sure. have, please compelled. throw it out here. Yeah. Now. Compelled. compelled is great. What compelled you to go to Ireland the first um, time? It's because my one of my favorite teachers, George Gamelch, was doing Gamelches. Yep. Yeah. And then I could do my senior thesis a uh-huh. year early. He said you can do it a year early. He says, "What's your thesis?" And we came up that uh, sports as a microcosm of society, because over there they have hurling and Gaelic yeah. football, and they all do it amateur. They don't get paid real Gaelic money. Gaelic football? Yeah, mm. I believe. Uh, I believe that's what it's called. Okay, hurling was the big one that I did. Hurling the, the almost thr- looks like a f- field hockey stick. Yeah, yeah, and you but throw it's like the, the fast, exactly the yeah. fastest, or you hit it the fastest. It's like the sport. strongman games, you know, like the, where they throw the lumber. What is that? You know, where they're running, <laughs> where with they a, throw running like this? a tree. And yeah, then, yeah, and then yeah. They yeah. Do. I mean, but it's old school. It's Viking. It's shit. very. It's like a. I think it was the fest. But I. I uh, interviewed uh-huh. sixty amateur Irish athletes 
because and and then interviewed athletes here and saw what the difference was in culture and stuff like that. What'd you find? Um, I found that there they do it for like the true love of what it is because they don't get paid. They're kind of like heroes, but they all have real jobs. Yeah. And then here you, um, there's two things about what, here. If Gunning you talk for the to big a profession, time. If you talk to the professionals, yeah. it seems that they lose the love a little bit, right? Yeah. But also the, there's a huge social aspect. When I was in Ireland, I joined a St. Saint, Saint, uh, Patrick's Cathedral basketball team because uh-huh. I wanted to immerse myself in it, whatever. I was the only Jewish person ever. In Ireland? And, yes, and no joke, <laughs> a Jewish person ever in Ireland. In in the basketball league, yeah. and no joke, a kid came up to me, yeah. not being not trying to right. be mean. Of course, we would take him in and ask if I had horns. Yeah, I felt your head. Yeah. No, jo- no, no joke. No joke. I know. I've had that, and I believe- never had that before until that. And I was like, I, oh, I, anti-Semitism is. I've been. My dad also said when we were picking colleges, he's like, you know, you've been in a lot of cities that are predominantly Jewish. Yeah. Just so you know, like you know, yeah. when you go to these other yeah. places, yeah. whatever. Um, yeah. But yeah. Um, keep a low profile. Yes, <laughs> people would smoke at halftime. People would have pints right after. And yeah. anytime we played, we'd go to a bar, have pints, yeah. or like we'd all talk. Yeah. And then in America, oftentimes when I play basketball with people, you go, you work out, and you—that's it. You don't yeah. see those people. And I thought it's such a cultural, like social fun thing there. And here oftentimes it's to get a sweat, it's to work out, it's to just see people for like an hour and then go back. And also, that, yeah, well, I think that a lot of stuff in America has become more about self-realization than group realization or community realization. Yeah. Like it seems like the, 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 the momentum is around, you know, self, you know, you know, you know embracing the self. Yeah. You know, how yeah. do I, what do I, you know, the team thing is, you know. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of falling to the wayside with ambition and the culture of narcissism and social media and whatnot. I think that's why I connect so much with improv because it's a team. Yeah, it's I like, think I could get that. Yeah, you know, you I know, really I, enjoy that. I, I mean, I've, I've learned to work with people. <laughs> I mean, you have to. Sort of Trust was mostly improvised? No. All improvised. Yeah, so you and you were working with John Bass on most of your stuff? No, yeah. I mean, I've done, like, I've done three, I did three seasons of Swanberg's Easy. I mean, I, I, oh, yeah. I, I can do... That thing, you know, if it's in my wheelhouse and it's real, I yes. can improvise. It's where it's, it, but even on sort of trust, you know, the issue was like, I don't come from improvising. So I'm not going, you, do, you can't give me a hat and I become a guy. Do you, you know what I mean? It's sort of like, a, now I'm going to, oh, who's I, this guy? I'd love yeah. to meet him. What's that guy's name? <laughs> His name, Mr. Who be be be. <laughs> Oh my a, God. Yeah. But, what a uh, cool dude. I'm sure I could do it. You but can, of not, course, do it. But it's not my thing. So now I'm working with Michaela and John and Toby Huss. And, uh, They're brilliant. Jillian also. Ba- brilliant. Jillian. And I'm like, you know, after the first or second day, I, t- I say to Lynn, I'm like, if these, if they don't reel it in, man, <laughs> I'm just going to be the fucking idiot straight man for the whole fucking movie. I'm not even going to get a line in. <laughs> so what happened? She said, all right, I understand what you're saying. And yes, well, you know, they'll find their groove. They they, they got to be real people. You can't just have improv. It sure. can't be improv challenge. Yes. Like, unless you create the device like that, like uh, the earliest show, the earlier, what is it? Yeah, the, the earliest show. I mean, you created a device where you guys could go. Yes. And it's not, you know, you could go wherever you want because the characters were sort of emotionally grounded in these ideas of, you know, you know your relationship. But, but you know, you weren't going to ruin the integrity of that character. No, the, the big thing at UCBT is the game of the scene. So we, the, each character had their game and each kind of setting had their game. If we just played that, we can play within our characters as much as we want. Oh, okay. Yeah, so well, that's sort of it. Like, you know, with a, something like Sort of Trust, you have a, a treatment sort of script, half, yeah. half script, half treatment, and you need to hit certain beats 
But, you know, you got to stay within the framework of the story. Sure. You have to service the story. So it's really on people like Lynn or Joe. to The, the genius in that type of filmmaking is editing because yeah, that's yeah. really, really where it comes Absolutely, together. by the way. But you felt so connected to Ireland. You've gone back several times. We went back. I, I helped out uh, my friend Jake. I was filming something in England, a yeah. movie in England, and my friends were doing some comedy stuff in Ireland, so I went back one other time. Who? Uh, Jake and Amir. They're yeah, these yeah, guys yeah. that did college right. humor you, stuff. Well, Love you them. did a lot of that stuff, right? That was part I, of that's the- That's how I kind of started with the those YouTube guys. YouTube yeah. momentum. Yeah, that was exactly it. That's like kind of in my head. Uh, I remember thinking, okay, um, people aren't really seeing me in LA or anywhere else outside of UCB. I got to start doing stuff. But it's interesting when you watch some of those because they, you know, they're you don't have the the sort of wisdom and framework of of character that you did get later. In yeah, terms of it's it's almost like make them laugh, make right, them laugh. That's, that's what that is. It's like yeah. cotton candy almost. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. But also for me, uh, I was a page at Letterman, and then I found a way to become a freelance writer for Letterman. Okay, well, wait. So, so we both have Irish connections, just because, poetically. Yeah. And the, what are they? The Gilmeshes with the gig. What the Gamelches. Yeah, Gmelches. I love that we're talking about them. I yeah. truly thought they were great. Gamelches are great. Yeah. So Anthony you, Rabonis was the Rabonis uh, t- was my uh, anthro- uh, my psych teacher that I loved. Anthony and Rabonis. Tony Rabonis. Yeah. Tony Rabonis. Oh, wait. Yeah, I think that's yeah. Oh no, Debono. Ken Debono. Ken Debono. Ken Debono. Gamelches. Ken. This is how great Ken Debono was. He yeah. was. He was great at psych teacher, yeah. right? And there, uh, and he was, by the way, one of the people that allowed me to write. And I was, uh, so there would be like a abnormal psychology paper. And um, I would do minimal amount of research. But because I remember in high school, I kind of cheated every now and then, didn't really try in college. Cheated how? Uh, the most extensive version of it was I was in Spanish class uh, and uh, one of my friends who speaks Spanish as a first language passed yeah. by the front door. And I, I said to Peruzzi, the teacher, I said, hey, can I go to the bathroom real quick? I took my test. I put it in my back pocket. Went to him. I go, I go hey, hey, hey. And so we asked got, like, him. You only got a few seconds. Li- and, but he it. speaks Spanish. So this was the easiest thing. I go, hey, what are the, all these words? Yeah, yeah. And th- like that's the most extensive one. Did you get caught? Because it was public school. I never got caught. But then in college, it yeah. cost a lot of money, and I worked my fucking ass off. No cheating. None. Never. I cheated and- once in high school, you know, because like I was just like fucking off, and well, I had to write a paper, and I borrowed some other kid's paper, and I kind of just, you know, copied it, and I got us both expelled, and he was like a good expelled kid. from the school. No, just for a few days, oh. suspended for a few days. Okay, it was stupid. Yeah. yeah primarily, you know, I should have, you know mixed it up a little bit i found that i cheated in the stuff that made me like i couldn't maybe i had some sort of add but i couldn't concentrate on history stuff but math for some reason clicked with me immediately i loved math see that's where we split ways you hated math i can't uh, no i can't do it i can't i didn't give up algebra i lost i got geometry was okay because of pictures algebra no good geometry i did okay in George DeCara. I like that teacher, so I love that subject. Oh, I think is that that's how that worked? T- yeah. Yeah, my guy was named, I think his name was Mr. Hubble. Mr. Great Hubble. name. Yeah, I always used to make him laugh, and then he had a heart attack. And I went. How do you the, kill everybody that I you're didn't around? Kill him. I, I brought. He was in the hospital, and uh, I showed up. I da- my dad was a doctor. I borrowed his doctor's bag, and I put on a doctor's hat, uh, uh, jacket thing, and I went to the hospital with the doctor's bag, and I brought Mr. Hubble liquor. I brought him liquor. That's amazing. At, in, in bed after his heart attack, and and I knew he liked to drink, but like the when he saw the liquor, that face he got, like, oh, like That's I knew, like so funny. It was like the best thing, and maybe was that not your a, idea? Yeah, you're a smart kid. That's so fucking. And funny. it was so fun just to see him so thrilled, like he needed it. You also, know, a knew. cute little kid with a doctor's bag is the funniest <laughs> thing. Yeah, I did. Yeah, and I had a real bag, and that was very important. That was a real bag. All right, so. 
I see how it opened your mind, you know, to how people work and, and how communities work. And I could see your interest. But what what makes you turn your back on the Gamilches and De Bono uh, ultimately? <laughs> oh, in terms of a, your life, a study? I mean, these people said because you up. all I wanted to do in my life was do comedy. I remember watching SNL. Yeah. And um, you know what? The thing that used to make me when I make me emotional was at the end. The people waving goodbye. They just yeah. finished this show. They just had like they're hanging out thing. and they're talking. And it's just like uh, I was so envious of that moment. Who was the cast? Oh well, when I was a kid, it was probably Farley and Sandler and stuff like that. But then Farrell came in and yeah. that was incredible. So yeah. I watched it for I was. A, but then I was obsessed with Kids in the Hall. And then yeah, when I grew up older, then Larry Sanders was a thing that blew my mind. And then I was in. You had to watch that after the fact, though, right? After or the, were you in it? Or no, was it, was I, it, it was after. In real time? Yeah. No, 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 it was after. And yeah. then I uh, I was in, you know how Shanley had a basketball league here? Yeah, yeah. I was in that, so I got to hang out with him every week for six years, and it was like insane. But How'd you weasel your way into that situation? Sarah invited me. I didn't Silverman? Even, uh, yeah. yeah. I didn't even have to, she's like, hey, you should come here, and that was just like, you know the best, but I'm sorry. See how I used the word weasel like it was some sort of horrible. Like thing I try you to did? fuck it you up. Fucking, yeah, no, like you just kind of like opportunistically hey guys, got you yourself doing? in there. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I I'm just the new funny kid. <laughs> Look, I yeah. got my own ball. Oh, I was terrified yeah. of being funny in front but, of those okay, people. But okay, so but you know, where, when do you move here? When do you make the decision? What is the decision? I did. Uh, so I decided uh, through that improv group. It ended up being. People started laughing at stuff. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it was called Idle Minds. It was short form, which is yeah. very different than what we do now, which yeah. is like long stories. The Herald. Uh, yeah, we don't even do that. So me and Thomas Middleditch, uh, we tour now and we do yeah, this. Yeah, you guys are like a big comedy team. We're trying, yeah. And uh, we just did a bunch of specials for a place that's coming out. We're not allowed to talk about which place it is, but it's coming out next year. We did three, so we're going to release you mean an outlet? sometime. An outlet. A yes. streaming outlet, if you will. You did several specials? Yeah, we did four specials in two days. Four what different specials. What does that mean? Specials. So wait, well, what is the structure of that? So you and Ditch. I've never interviewed him either, uh, but his, come to, you, his would manager you come to one was of our very, shows? very important to me in my life, Kirsten, his manager. Oh, Kirsten Ames. Did yeah, she yeah. get you an Aspen? No, no, no. She, like, before she was anybody, she uh, actually directed and uh, dramaturged my first one-man show, Jerusalem Syndrome. I remember seeing posters for that. Yeah, in, like, How 2001. Old? Yeah, man. Yeah, 2000, and we did it at her little theater to workshop it. At uh, not a forty-five, okay, uh, upstairs on I guess it was Forty-fifth Street, yeah, and uh, and then she took it to we took it to the West Beth, and she started sort of working with Arnold, and it was before she became a manager, long before. Yeah, she was very pivotal in uh, in getting me, you know, putting together the theater stuff. She's really good at spotting funny people who work hard. Well, yeah, she just really hit the you know hit the jackpot with him. Yeah. So, oh, but how? Okay. Well, let's talk about that for a minute. So, what is the structure? I'm excited to. I never really get to talk about improv or comedy, so I'm happy. But what's to be the structure of that show? Because, like, you guys sell out big halls, and I know you have a, you both have a big following. Him from the commercials, and uh, <laughs> you from his phone. Commercial. A lot of people are like, "Oh, I got to see the Verizon guy." Uh, no, from Silicon uh, Valley, Silicon Valley, and yep. you from uh, Parks and Rec yep. and other little things that you've done. Very tiny things, yeah. No, but I mean that thing seems to be the one that really kind of got Parks you the, the the nerd yeah. uh, comedy nerd community on board yeah that and like uh bang bang and like podcast sure bang bang yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That, yeah. that was fun but uh, um but our... what's the structure of these shows you guys just go he's a great improviser middle ditch he's wonderful so we do a two-person show for yeah. an hour and 15 minutes every word is made up from the spot what we do at the beginning i mean i'd love for you to come i would be, i would I'd, come when do you i, I mean, would be so interested to see uh because i know you'll be truthful afterwards interested to see what you think about it as someone who 
uh, you are someone who studies comedy, so I'd be very interested to see, because I don't think you've seen what we do before. Look, I mean, I'll go to things, and I like things. I saw uh, Nick Kroll's and Mulaney's, uh, you know, funny thing with the guys, yeah. Yeah. the made-up guys. I don't think that was innately- That was scripted, imp- though. Yeah, it was scripted, yeah. and I didn't I didn't quite understand it, but I, I, I understood. I think I think they're both funny. They're very Nick funny. Nick is very yeah. funny. We, we literally come out of the beginning, uh, we talk, we just talk to the audience for a little bit to get people warmed up, uh-huh. and then what we do is we ask a suggestion, the suggestion yeah. we've been asking that we ask in the special are what's something you look forward to yeah. or what's something you're dreading and before we say it we say we don't want funny answers we, right. don't, want, we don't want you to be like farts or blah 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 yeah, yeah. we want to have a real conversation with you and so we talk to someone we go back and forth someone in the audience for yeah. like 5-10 minutes yeah. and then we get all these characters or any information they want to give in our heads uh-huh. and then nobody talks the rest of the time then we do a full show that's one full story for an hour uh-huh. and we make up all the characters and we play 10 characters sometimes sometimes 2 uh-huh. sometimes it's 2 sometimes it's 15 20 characters oh wow and you never know whatever the show is so last night we did we did two shows at Largo last night and they were completely different so the the goal was to try to get into a spe- so we we've been very lucky we sold out some cool like Carnegie Hall yeah. we did which would you for, do that during the festival uh Carnegie Hall yeah during the New no, York Comedy we did festival? it no we did it on we did it a separate time but yeah. for me and also think about my mom as yeah. a music teacher right come to Carnegie Hall to yeah. see her little son you know what I mean it's a good show it was it was a really fun show and just my mom was fucking working the crowd beforehand being like that's sure. my son it was just a really special one for me because yeah. a lot of my shows are touring and they don't get to see him anymore right. uh, but they're very supportive. Carnegie Hall special it was the for me. It was like the. Uh, it was insane because I know that venue since I've been a kid. Yeah, uh, you know, like there are jokes about that. You know, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? It's like a joke practice, you hear when you're five. Practice. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that one was a biggie. But um, uh, yeah. So then we do an hour fifteen like that. Um, but when we were trying to sell it as a special, it was very very hard to sell because the to, that you're gonna make up. That's it. They don't yeah. know what it is. They're like, right. well, what is it? And we're like, well, it can be anything. You know, right. one was when we were in Atlanta. It was this show. We did it. Was, he goes, yeah, but. You know, like, and and is it going to translate? So that's the big thing. Um, there have been some long form specials that uh, I actually did one for Showtime, and it was like uh, we're kind of learning. And I think our goal is to try to get it. Who'd you do that one with? I did it for Showtime. It was I was on a show called House of Lies with yeah. Don Cheadle and sure. Kristen Bell and Josh Lawson. Yeah. And uh, David Nevins, who's was very supportive of me from I CBS. Said, he, he's at Showtime now. He yeah. was the head of he Showtime. At now he's the yeah. head of like everything. He's at yeah. CBS now. He, uh, I wanted to do something called Snow Pants, which is me and a group of improvisers get uh-huh. one person who's never done improv before. So like, I do the show for charity where it's yeah. like uh, Blake Griffin's done it a bunch of time. Henry Winkler, J.J. Abrams, all these people who don't really do improv come and we improvise with them, and we do it for charity and all the money's raised. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to do that as a weekly show for Showtime. Yeah. And he said, uh, I can't let you do that. But if you use everybody in your cast, if you use people from the House of Lies cast, I can let you do an improv show because we can pay for it as a part of like promotion for this. So that was the first one I did. Which Who was in it? Cheadle, Kristen Bell, me, Lauren Lapkus, Eugene Cordero, and Ryan Gall. Uh-huh. Um, and that was that one. Josh Lawson. And that Cheadle, was that good improviser? Great. Yeah. Especially for a uh, great. And by the way, uh, he's so talented. That's one of those things that like when you work, like when I worked in Parks and Rec and watched Polar, yeah. you're like, holy shit. And then you watch Don Cheadle and he's just a machine. I'm on a show now with John Malkovich and I just watch him and you're just, every now and then you'll just be like, holy shit, I'm acting with John Malkovich. Yeah. And you have to almost take a second to get back into the whatever. Sure, yeah. There, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I've had a couple moments like that where you're like, oh my God, you've looked up to this guy your whole life. And who, there you are. who was it for you? Well, I did a little scene in The Joker with De Niro. Oh, yes, of course. You were writing it. Yeah. You must have lost your fucking mind. It's weird. After doing this show as long as I have and talking to so many different people. Well, no, it's like, you know, they, they become human pretty quick. You know, and they and you start to see pretty quickly, you know, you respect them still. But it's sort of like, oh, they're doing the job. 
This I, is the, the job. I did a, my third movie or something. I had a scene with Robert De Niro. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm very young. I'm very green. I'm probably terrible. And um, I remember on set, I don't know if it was different for, for, for you. Yeah. It was like, you know, he's kind of, he kind of keeps to himself sure. between takes. Quiet. And so um, he was by himself over there. And I was like, you know what? I want to talk to him, but right. I, I, I don't want to bother him. Yeah. And so um, I went up, I went up to him um, and uh, I was like, hey, this is a fun, you know, this is fun. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it feels like a real New York movie. And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there was like a pause. Right. For a real time yeah. pause of like 10 seconds. And yeah. I go, so that's it. We have nothing else to fucking say to each other. And he cracked up and he goes, I don't know what to do that. And then we talked for like 10 minutes, greatest 10 minutes of my life. And I ended it poorly because we were talking and we're talking yeah. about all these great things. Yeah. And he's saying like, oh yeah, I was in, a, the first time I was in LA, I was like, oh, for like, ra- you're talking about Raging Bull. Yeah. I'm talking about, I went to LA for like writing for Robot Chicken. And he's like, yeah, we was over there for a movie and da, da, da. And then at the end I was like, yeah. And we're, he was asking me where I was living and I was like, yeah. I was like, where are you? And I was like, oh, don't ask Robert De Niro where he lives. And that's where I made a mistake. <laughs> Got too familiar. Yeah. yeah. And then I, I knew DeBell. I yeah. knew DeBell and I was like, hey man, I knew I had my fun yeah. time with him. I was like, hey man, all right, I'll see you out there. And he, yeah. and it was great. That's great. So how do you get from making the decision to pursue a life in comedy yeah. to, uh, to where you're, you know, to where you're starting to find success? You, you said you were a page at NBC or what, how that? I did. Uh, so was the first jobs? The first job for me was, a, uh, I was an intern at UCB yeah. so I could pay for classes. In New York, the original UCB on yeah. like 22nd. This or one was right when they moved to Chelsea on 26th. So right when they missed that month is when I became an not intern. the weird old adult theater. Not the well, no, that one is the one where they chopped down a wall and found old used condoms from like some weird burlesque whatever. Which one? The new one? The one in the basement? On Chelsea? Yeah. The one under the supermarket? Yeah, that one's gone. By the way. Yeah. They've already moved from that one. Yeah, I, well, I remember the original one, which I've was seen, that, I think I saw you perform that. You did shows there, didn't you? Once or twice. Yeah. Not I, you probably if you saw me anywhere it was at Luna. Oh, maybe. Lounge, maybe. We, I did a show at UCB. We had a Sunday show late, and you did a show before us, and your show was running really long, like really long. I did? Yeah. And yeah. it was, uh, and you came backstage, and, but you were having a good time. Yeah. And you came backstage, and you saw six of us. You're yeah. never going to remember this. I remember it because- oh, This was way at the UCB in here. Yes, in LA. Yeah. And you came back, and you're like, you're like, oh, hey, guys. Say hey guys, I'm sorry we're going late. I mean, you were like 30, 40 minutes late. Like, yeah. we should have been on stage already. Right. Like, sorry, going late. And then you smiled yeah. and left. And it was, it made me laugh so hard because you're like, oh, guys, you're the next people. Oh, sorry, we're going a little bit late. And then you like laughed at, like, fuck these guys. And you went back. Right, on stage. I went back. I probably, I think I got back on stage and said, like, yeah, there's some people back there in a lobster <laughs> costume that are getting a little. There's two llamas and a goat, like, waiting to come on stage to do improv. It really made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, I, I was sort of a dick. To, uh, yeah, I was an old cranky stand-up that was like because when I really think about when I got here and trying to reestablish myself or just get some you get my any traction when I first came back here in two thousand two or three. Yeah, you know this whole nerd comedy community was it was diff- it was not my world, man. And it didn't it, and feel it, like Luna or invite them up. No, it invite it evolved. Well, the invite them up was after Luna, long after Luna. That was like the second wave. So I was an actual club comic doing alt comedy at the beginning when it was called that. But I was still really a club comic. I didn't, you know, the culture that grew up around sketch and and those other type of shows with Merman yeah. and those these communities it built was after. So I'm still coming into it like this older club comic, and I'm like, oh, these fucking kids with the costumes and this and that. Right. You know, like it was really that kind of attitude, but I had to figure out how to do shows at UCB, at Nerd Mill. It was sort of like, I guess I have to do that. Right. 
Like the comedy store at that time was a dark shithole, and I didn't. The improv was a nightmare, and I couldn't get. To, Did you alter your comedy to try to get up at those places? No, no, no. no. It was always I'd always fit, right. but I always felt like these kids are too precious for me. I'm like this bitter, weird, you know, in recovering, you know, nut. You know, angry. You know, like I knew that you know it wasn't fun time. Right. It wasn't. You know, there was no you know, like even the name comedy bang bang or comedy death ray. I'm like, what kind of names are these? Can't we just <laughs> so you're do coming the thing? in hot? <laughs> yeah, of course I am. Always. So, but and I always felt like they were judging me in a way. Like I always felt like a caricature doing those rooms. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. But then I feel like that's where you made a name for yourself here. In sure, LA. people embraced me. That you know, somehow or another, I lucked out by being, you know, a reasonably interesting old man. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like somehow, you know, I'm not the old man that talks about his wife and kids God, or this or that. Did you see the reasonable old man that was on yesterday? Oh, he was very talented. Yeah, well, you know, like I do have young people that that like my struggle uh, in the sense that they can of relate course. to it, which means yes. that I have a sophomoric emotional existential struggle that has lasted into my fifties and is relatable to you know sensitive, bright kids who are in their twenties. Do you feel like if you weren't, if you didn't have that struggle, do you feel like you wouldn't be as good of a comedian or no? I think so. I, I think that, like, I have to sort of root myself in it somewhere, that whatever version it's taking. Okay. And I do feel like there's a redundancy to it, and I do feel like if I did kind of take the next step of, you know, being emotionally mature and being okay with myself in these fundamental ways, I, I would see no reason to do anything. Yeah. <laughs> Not in a bad way, but just right. sort of like, I did it, I'm going to sit down. But I feel like you're always working. Correct? I am. Yeah. Constantly. Do you have to? Do you feel like, because I, I am also one of the, maybe it's that I'm afraid that it's all just going to go away, but I feel yeah. like I have to keep going. Well, I mean, there's a, like, there's the struggle, like there's two things. Like, you know, if you don't have to do it, you know, for the money necessarily, you, you know, then you have to question why. Is it for relevance? Is it because you, you know, you honestly need to express and create? Mm -hmm. uh, is it because you're afraid to, you know, not do anything you know, I, I don't know. Those, those are personal answers. Yeah, but I think if you work or if you're a worker, you're just going to you know, what else are you going to do? That's it. Yeah, it's a job. So you sorry, get, I keep so going away from you. Oh, that's all right. So you're working at uh, UCB as. Yeah, I was a uh, intern. Okay, yeah. So kind of started was on intern at UCB so yeah. I can get free classes for improv. And then I uh, you just moved to New York. You're still coming in from White Plains or, or so I'm coming in from Edgemont uh, at the beginning. I'm coming in from Edgemont where your folks are. Yep, where yeah. I was living with my parents. Yeah. And they were supportive. And at, so at the end of college, when I was doing this improv thing, I did a- I uh, Graduate with honors? I graduated summa, one of the cum laude. Yeah, yeah, good. Yeah. But I did because um, I was really close to it, but I needed like an A. Yeah. So I took an acting class because all the football guys took acting classes to bump their thing so they wouldn't fail out. Yeah. Um, and a part of the acting classes, you had to audition for the play. Yeah. So I was forced to audition for the play and I got it. And I would never have auditioned because I was a bit af afraid to, you know, whatever. This was in last year of college. Last year of college, yeah. And it did it. Or and play. The, the te it was an it was a Caucasian chalk circle, a Brecht, a very heavy Brecht thing. Oh wow! And so I played Asdak, and the only real play I've done really. And then um, the guy who the director who did it, uh, um, had to, he said, "Hey, you're good at this. You should try doing this." Yeah. And so I talked to my parents. I said, "Hey, I want to try doing comedy." I'll go really hard, like for yeah. the first two years. If it if I can't do it, I'll get a job. And they were, to their credit, they were incredibly supportive. They said, "Okay, this is grad school. This is like considered right. like this is right. 
We're going to help you. And I only needed them to support me for one year. And then I made enough money to support myself. Really? So, yep. you, so you're you working at UCP to get free classes. Yep. I was and then a page how, at Letterman. And so you only make, and then I, and then as a page. How'd you get that gig? That, did you know somebody? It's or? A great, no, I didn't, we didn't, I didn't know anybody in anything. So yeah. I, when I went to UCB, I saw one show and I saw like Amy was up there and all these people were up there. And I was like, God, I want to be in a place that has these people. Yeah. And so I asked them, is there a way I can become an intern so I can get free classes? And he said, yeah, you can work Sundays. So was the original crew still? Yeah, it was everybody. Uh, Besser just was just about to move to L.A. It was 2003. So it was Matt, Ian, Yeah, it was Matt, uh, Besser. Well, yeah. And yeah. then the people who were performing were like Jack McBrayer, Rob Hubel, Paul Shear. Uh, yeah. And then the monologist would be like Alec Baldwin. And like, it would be insane. Yeah. I remember my favorite part of being an intern there was when I was backstage and saw that fucking like, you know, uh, Alec Baldwin was backstage or someone yeah, huge. Sure. Someone huge. Robin Williams was backstage. Yeah. And I knew he was about to come out and nobody in the audience knew. Yeah, yeah. My heart would get so excited to see the audience go fucking bananas. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, you invite them all up and then the last one is like, and I'm an ologist. And Amy would usually say something like, you guys came on a good night. And yeah. then you could hear rumblings like, what the fuck's going to happen? Yeah. And it'd be like, ladies and gentlemen, Robin Williams. And he'd come out and the crowd would go like, like when Oprah gives away cars. Sure, yeah, crazy. I loved that. I loved watching it's so that so hard to watch so those much. guys try to live up to the original surprise of them oh, coming on. there was once a show where I was, I was supposed yeah. to improvise and then Robin Williams at the last second came by and he's yeah. like, hey, can I perform? And they said, yeah. And so someone said, Ben, would you do monologues? And said, I go, of course. So the way that it goes is you introduce all the performers first, then you introduce the monologists. Yeah. So the last performer they pick up was, so, and ladies and gentlemen, Robin Williams. And it's like, I mean, you have to wait for five minutes. People are like throwing up and throwing sure, their hats. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah. Women are having babies. It's crazy. And then they go, and you're a monologist for this evening. And I nobody knows who the fuck yeah, I yeah, am. Yeah. And they go, uh, from the UCB theater. I don't think I had any credits. <laughs> yeah. It's like uh, Ben Schwartz. And I came and I knew the only way to not make it awkward was to like play it up like stupid. So I like said, get the fuck up and pretend like I was bigger right, than right, Robin. Right. And I saw Robin enjoy the bit, which made me so happy. But like, so he didn't I didn't come out it. and play with you. Um, he, there was a different show I did where he played with us and then afterwards he came up afterwards yeah. and all the performers he, he looked us in the eyes and said thank you so much this yeah. meant so much to me yeah. and it was like the greatest moment yeah. of my life yeah. he's a sweet guy he's amazing you must have saw him in San Francisco or no yeah, he was a little over, past my time but yeah. like you know we'd run into each other over the years you know and I just <laughs> Remember, I was he used to hang out at this theater up at up in the, the Marin County. It's a what part of it, San Francisco? There was a gig that this guy uh, used to book, Mark Pitta, the Throckmorton, and and Robin used he lived around there, so he'd hang out there. Sure, and it was just a standard comedy show. And I remember I was headlining once, and Robin was there, and he was just up in this booth where you couldn't really see him. But every time a joke didn't quite work that I would do, I'd hear him go, "Ooh." <laughs> 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 Oh, he was just like <laughs> that Robin laugh. Ooh. The best. Yeah, yeah. But, um, oh, sorry. So, uh, so a year in, you start making money. Oh, yeah, because commercials. Com- I, uh, I tried to do commercials. But by the way, to get a commercial agent, you had to pay to take classes to learn how to get a commercial agent in New York. So I had to pay to get classes, and then agents would come at the last class to see you do a, a whatever piece. Mm. Um, so I was doing that. But when I, so, uh, the way I became a page at Letterman is I was literally walking by. I, I didn't have a job and I want to get a job in entertainment. So I wore a suit and tie. I was with my friend Nick Gibbons and we went to MTV because in my head, MTV hires young people. Yeah. I walked into MTV. You didn't even have a plan though. You're just going to go in. I had 20 resumes in my backpack. Yeah. On my dad's fancy paper. You know yeah. how like dads have fancy paper? Sure, yeah. So it was like the brownish the fancy paper. Yeah. And with I had a, a little, back. little texture to That's it. That's literally it. Yeah. And I had a backpack with those things in it. Uh-huh. 20, 20 things. Yeah. And um, I had so I went there and I conned the security guard by saying I was there for for a Viacom meeting. Right. And I said I'm so late. I'm, I'm supposed to be an intern at Viacom. 
he unlocked the elevator for me to get to just that floor. Yeah. I get to that floor. Then I spoke Spanish to uh, one of the people that was cleaning. I said, hey, can I get to the 15th floor? I go, where's MTV? Yeah. And he said, floor whatever. Yeah. And I go, I'm, I'm supposed to be there. And he unlocked. I said it in Spanish and he was lovely. Yeah. And he unlocked the door. Yeah. And we walked down five flights and I get out and the fucking... It's a dollar bill with George Washington with his tongue out. And yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm an MTV. And yeah. I was nervous and I was yeah. so excited. And there's a, a nice woman at the desk. And I go, hey, I'm here to talk about a possible internship. Again, this is all made up. Yeah. I go, I'm here to talk about a possible internship here. Someone told me to come this floor. And I like use the guy's name upstairs. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, Ruiz told me to come down here. <laughs> uh, and she goes, I think you're on the wrong floor. And I go, well, this is MTV, right? She goes, yeah, but this is the president's office. And I go, well, surely he can get me a job. And she goes, okay, go down to the fifth floor. And yeah. there's, there's someone who deals with internships. Yeah. I go down on the fifth floor. Uh, and I said, and I had a real person's name this time. So I was like, Marie upstairs yeah. told me to come down and give you my thing. My name is Ben Schwartz. I'm an intern at uh, UCB. I'm, you know, like I know how to deal with da da da. Yeah. And so I saw them take my resume. They go, okay, we'll give you a call. I saw them take my resume, open up a file cabinet that was so filled with like people's resumes and just throw it on top and they really? never call me. Right. So I'm dejected walking back down Broadway. Yeah. I passed by Letterman yeah. and they come up to me because as I learned when I worked there, when they, you know, like when they need people to fill seats, if you look like you're wearing like a nice suit or something, you might be like, hey, you know, it'd be good to get you in the crowd and right. whatever. They go, hey, do you want to see Letterman? I was like, of course. I've watched Letterman every night of my life, of course. And while I'm online, people are cheering up the crowd and stuff like that. And I was like, oh my God, I would love to do what you do. Like this yeah. would be my dream job. Right. And they said, uh, and they're like, uh, yeah, well, I go, who can I talk to? And they go, our boss here. So the boss comes over and goes, I can't help you like unless you had a resume. And I took out all 20 <laughs> resumes and he laughed and he said, okay. And he set up a meeting and that's yeah. how I got that job. And that <laughs> led to me freelance writing for Letterman's monologue. So that that started a whole. Well, thing. how'd you get that? You just said I wanted. Can, how what would I, I have to do? Till, I waited till I was. A, I, I don't like bothering people, so yeah. I waited till like I was there for three months, and I was about to. You're only allowed to be a page for a certain amount of time. Yeah, six months or uh, maybe you, a year. Did you have much experience with Dave? No, uh, he. What one of the jobs you have as a page for Letterman yes. is never talk to Letterman. <laughs> that's like num rule number yeah. one. Is that you? Um, he runs uh, something that I do in my improv shows that I think I probably took from him watching him every day for a year and a half. Yeah. A year and a half, I think, I worked there. But there's a place where, where the bathrooms are, where the crowd can go to the bathrooms. Yeah. He uh, walks by there to get backstage. Yeah. So you have to stop the crowd when it's about the time that Dave's going to go through. Right. And oftentimes he would fuck with the pages, uh, which was a dream for me. Like, yeah. So every night he would walk by and like, for no reason, he would act like a monkey and go like, yeah. and like, to me, that was great. I'm done. <laughs> but so, um, and so that was like the only really, when I was a, a page, but I told myself, uh, I had like three three goals yeah. when I started. One was uh, I want to be a guest on Letterman before yeah. it stops. Yeah. Uh, one was to be a voice in The Simpsons because The Simpsons means a lot to me. I yeah. think it's like how I learned how to write or do comedy. And third was one day to host SNL before I pass away. Those are the three ones. So you I got had. one more. I got one more. Yeah. Uh, but um, I, I got the writing job because uh, there's a guy named Greg who is a page with me that uh -huh. did it. And I asked, you know, like, hey, can you tell, is it possible to pass along? And they said, uh, no, at the beginning. I said, no problem. And then when it was my last day, or like I had like three months left yeah. of the job. I said, hey, I'm about to leave. Um, is it possible? And the guy, Steve Young, I think was the monologue right at the time. Yeah. He said, you know what? You can hand in a joke or two. And he gave me notes on them. Right. My jokes were too big. Right. Like I would write my, uh, like big jokes. Yeah. And he told me what I did wrong. And then I started getting jokes on. And then I got like a bunch of jokes on. And there's, there's stuff, because we're, we're there to tell people not to get up and go to the bathroom yeah. or to show them where the bathroom is. Right. So I'm in the back of it, and uh, at the end of his monologue, Letterman points to the right and yeah. goes, and ladies and gentlemen, Paul Schaefer and Schaefer, whatever. 
So I know if he goes like this, I didn't get any jokes on. Yeah. So there are some episodes where I got yelled at because you could audibly hear me say, fuck, when I didn't get any jokes <laughs> on. So the guy that like the audience counts. So was that the last quit. year or two he was on or- no, that was 2003 or four. And then I got, and then I, I was one of, I was a guest of his in the last like two months before he left. For Parks and Rec? No, for um, uh, House of Lies. Oh, wow. And I kept my first joke I got on. I knew the cue card guy, so I kept my cue card. Yeah. And then I keep, I like, I like keeping mementos. Yeah, I really do. I steal a thing so from So did every you bring step. the cue card? No, but I, I stole the one that said, uh, ladies and gentlemen from whatever. Bench oh, was. that's great. Yeah. That's nice to have that stuff. It's, I have a bunch of that stuff. When you get in your 50s, it'll be meaningless. But I'm it's learning not... that it just takes up space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're like, do I need that? And also, need... where am I going to put it? Or like a poster that has my face on it? I can't put it but, anywhere. But it's also like, what happens to this stuff? Yeah. I mean, you know, it is important to you. And I, you know, I have a lot of that stuff too. But it, it gets to a point, it's like, is this going to be somewhere? No. You know, what? It... <laughs> it's so weird. But so, okay, so you you'd write for Letterman a bit, but you know, you've done pretty well for yourself. And I think a lot of it, yeah, outside of your talent, you know, you somewhere along the line, you got the confidence and the ambition to kind of really push it out there and like, kind of do it. Yeah. Like that whole MTV story, that's, you know, that's a resourceful thing. I think sometimes that kind of behavior is the difference between somebody who, who does, you know, give themselves a chance as opposed to someone who never quite gets there. Yep. I think I saw at the beginning, I had two years to try to do this. I'm going to work. All I'm going to do is comedy. Yeah. And that's all I did. And like you tried, tried stand-up too? Tried stand-up, did 10 times. One time I was, uh, uh, they had let me not bring people. Yeah. And I fucking bombed. I never felt, I was so embarrassed to bomb. I was, I just came from work. That's exactly the feeling, dude. I hated and, it. And it. It's, because it happened to me the other night and I've been doing it, you know, for Recently? 35 years. I hadn't done, I was in, you know, we were on vacation. I was in Ireland in Thanksgiving. I hadn't Great done, pictures. I heard your pictures yeah, are incredible. Yeah, I'll show them to you. <laughs> uh, and I'll show you the guitars too. Can't but, uh, no. But like I hadn't been on in over a month and I've never gone that long. And so the other night I went on, I didn't bomb, but like I, I, I you know, you, for me, I stay, you stay in connection with an audience. Like yep. I do comedy two, three times a week just to keep that relationship open. Same with improv. Right, right. So when you let that close, it's sort of like you got to find your way back in. And it was, I could feel it. I was like, oh God. And you get off and I'm like, fuck, that was, in, it's embarrassing is what it is. It is. And you got, you got to learn how to just shut up and suck it up and, you know, walk away. It hurt. That stand up experience really fucked with me because I was like, oh man, I, it was, I remember I was tired. And then what you should never do is I was like, I almost apologized to the audience. I was like, oh God, I'm sorry. I like, I, I yeah. just, because that was so green. Well, I've done I didn't that. know. See, that's the difference no... between me and you. I'll show that part of myself. It's like, this oh, really? isn't, yeah, this isn't going well. And I, you know, I just, <laughs> Yeah, I, you have to. I think you to do what you do uh, and to do the improv stuff. You have to have confidence on stage, or you're just going to melt. Yeah, do you know what I mean? But the thing is, is like that confidence will also not uh, narcissism. I don't think we go up there being like we're the best. We're the best. No, we just no, go no. Up there but I'm saying like, that confidence is also a big enough umbrella to to um, to support some amount of failure. Is that like you know there's a part of you after a certain amount of time that if it's not going as well or it didn't work out the way you wanted to, you know your confidence enables you to at least take it as just hey that happens sometimes. It's part of the fucking job, man. Yeah, but it still hurts, right? Of course, everything hurts. Yeah, it does. I think that the one thing, no matter how well adjusted you may be or I am not, uh, you know, or, or I wasn't at a certain time, the the common thing that we have is a sensitivity. Absolutely. That you know, it's a, it's almost it could be a paralyzing sensitivity, dem, a, a, a demo, immobilizing sensitivity. I hate when somebody thinks if I hurt somebody's feelings, it it bothers me. Yeah, it it, it bothers me unless it's you know out of vengeance, and then it takes about three minutes for it to bother me. <laughs> Not until the next. Thing. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. No, then I apologize and I was a dick and whatever. Right. Yeah, there's this sort of like, I used to do a bit about that. I'm like how I'm evolving because the, the time between, you know, hurting somebody and, and apologizing is getting smaller. It's tightening up. Yeah. Yeah. Outburst apologies. So quick. Up. Yeah. Seconds. Yeah, it's like, fuck you. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> Same yeah, sentence. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but now, so like, I don't mind that we didn't talk about, you know. We can uh, talk about anything you want. You know, I didn't watch a lot of Parks and Rec, but your character was very inspired. And I've heard you tell a story about, you know, how, like, it was supposed to be a one-off and then it became a thing. Yeah. But you built that guy from yourself? You The singing thing you did? You uh, know, it would say, like, sing-songy. So the, it would say the words, and then it would just say sing-songy, and then I can kind of do whatever I wanted. But you went way over the top of it. That always. character, if you ever watch, if, if anybody watches that yeah. show, if you watch my first appearance, and then slowly, you'll see I slowly get more confident and yeah. slowly get crazier and slowly become like a Muppet. Yeah. I, like, become a crazier version version of my of John Ralphio up until the end it's like, got a nice build to it like every yeah. bit where you where you can isolate where your tag is in a scene you know that you can go way the like but it was like Harris Whittles was writing those yeah. and fucking Katie Dippold and Meg, the the writing staff of Parks is one of the most talented writing staffs of all time yeah Megan Amram was on there it's bananas I don't know her but I'm sort of fascinated with her I've She's asked her to brilliant. be on the show but she don't want to do it why? I, mean, I don't know. I don't know if she does these shows or what. Does she? She's brilliant. I don't know, but she's one of the smartest people. No, I, I like it. I've always liked her Twitter feed, and I, I like what she does in the world. But yeah. uh, I remember trying to get her on, but I just don't think she. I see. Here's what I decide: she has no interest in me. She doesn't like me. You as take a, it personal. She doesn't like me as a man, as a person. <laughs> I, 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 she's, she's, uh, she, she can't stand me on some level. Right. So she's just being nice. Yeah. As opposed to, like, she just doesn't do that. Have you ever, oh, is there someone you chased for a very long time to get on this podcast and then you finally got them? Is Who's the person you chased the longest? Lauren Michaels. Did you get him? Yeah, I did. Oh, my goodness. Did, I can't did, wait. Like, two, he had me come back. Like, you know, like, we, I talked to him. He gave me a time. It was over at his office and we spent like an hour or so and then he had to go to a game. But he said, well, I'm around tomorrow if you want to come back. And I'm like, all right, I'll come back. Oh, I can't wait. Because That's I, I'll listen on the way home. Well, I had this big sort of, I was obsessed with the reason I didn't get SNL. Yeah, you, you talk know. about it on the podcast. Constantly. Well, he resolved it. He walked me through it. No, that, no spoilers. I'm going to listen to it on the way home. Now, there's a couple questions. What is sure. it that you and Bill Hader do for Star Wars movies? Uh, we, just one time for episode seven, there's a character named BB-8. It's a rolly droid guy. Oh, okay. And uh, at the very beginning, JJ uh, came up to me and we thought of lines for him. Yeah. And we uh, were trying to turn the lines into beeps and boops. And yeah. that didn't really work. Then we used a synthesizer. Oh, you'd love the music aspect of it. Yeah. But the, we used like a synthesizer and then we used like this incredible machine. And that kind of was working, but not really. And then I went off to do a movie. And uh, Bill Hader came in and started doing synthesizer stuff and doing stuff like that. And then in the end, I think JJ just found like an app that he used. <laughs> <laughs> There's a, but you not, guys but, have been uh, replaced. Yes, but yeah. my lines were used uh, to help edit. So the editors would be like, oh, it was really helpful to see like what this guy, this droid was kind of saying because we can edit back and forth a little bit easier yeah. uh, knowing the exact emotions. Right. Uh, so that was exciting. And then, uh, but you know, Star Wars, man, it's fucking insane that my name is in the credits of Star Wars is exciting. fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, it, those are exciting things, you know. Yeah, it's, like even my little part in the Joker, I'm in the biggest grossing. It's a billion R-rated. dollar movie. It's crazy, but also like I, you know, I was never a Simpsons guy, but I got on the Simpsons as myself. And that must have been exciting for you to be on a Simpsons. Yes, because you seem like a Simpsons. It guy. it it changed my it, like everything to me. That was when I was a kid, and also if you rewatch, See, I think I missed everything. Like I was so consumed with like poetry and rock music, and you know William Burroughs and Beatniks and Freaks that like I don't, and I don't think I had when I was younger. It just wasn't there. You know, like the the deepest comedy nerds you could be. Really, when you were when I was a kid, yeah. was Monty Python. Oh, yeah, or or, or or if you were a deep nerd like Doctor Demento or something. Sure, but that was it, man. 
You know, yeah. it wasn't, you know what I mean? There wasn't this whole other world. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was very, also, there wasn't things like this which analyze or talk about, or it's comedians. When did The Simpsons comedy. start? Um, I mean, they're on season 30 something. I don't know. We'd have to look it up. But I was—I think one of my episode I did was after they'd done 500 episodes. Sure, yeah. I it just was, did it a couple of years ago. But I don't know why. I'm not an animation guy. You do a lot of animation. I like animation a lot. And also, it's like I grew up watching animated shows. Like I grew up watching DuckTales, so I got to be on it this time. Or I grew up watching Turtles, so I got to be on it. Or like Sonic the Hedgehog. I played that game growing up, so... Uh, I, I, re- I Aren't find you myself, the lead in Sonic the Hedgehog? I play, I play, the, I play Sonic the Hedgehog, which is crazy and mm. very exciting. Uh, but I find myself nowadays really gravitating to things that I enjoyed when I was a kid, uh, like vintage shirts like, yeah. that, that I wasn't allowed to wear growing up. I like love finding them now and like old sneakers that I really couldn't wear. Like, uh, Why couldn't you wear these things? Uh, well, I mean, we never really paid that much money for sneakers before. And the shirts, Bart Simpson stuff. Oh, yeah. But you weren't allowed to wear them in the Bronx. In Riverdale, you weren't allowed to wear Bart Simpson's to school. Because really? we were in a public school, yeah, and people weren't allowed. I always went to what public school. Wouldn't allow Because Bart it said, Simpson. like, underachiever and proud of it. And so oh, the teachers oh, oh, were like, oh, fuck that. Or like, fuck message. homework. Or screw homework. Yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but the writer, oh. the writing staff also, is, uh, all people you, I mean, Dana Gould was on it. Conan sure. O'Brien was yeah. on it. Ian yeah, Maxwell Graham. Guys. It's yeah. all Greg Daniels who created yeah. The Office. And I haven't talked to him. He's great. He's yeah. he's the creator of the new show I'm doing now with uh, Steve Carell and John Malkovich. Oh and, yeah, that's the space one. Yeah, he's he's Greg Daniels to me is like a genius. Now, what's the approach to that? Is it over the top or is it straight up? No, it's like uh, it's it takes place on Earth and it's like it's like the another it, branch of the military. What's it called? Space Force. Right. It'll be on. But Netflix. so you're playing in a real environment. It's yes. Not, it's not like Star Trek. Yeah. Or something. And even when I was auditioning, there's like a part of it where like Greg and I were like, let's not make sure it's nothing like John Ralphio have it, you know, and stuff like that. So yeah. it's. It's and you know it's fucking Carell and Malkovich and the guest stars are insane and the the regular cat there's a there's a great old school uh, Toronto improviser called Don Lake who's in like every best of sh- yeah. best in show and Guffman right and he's a genius and yeah. it's like uh, they found this great cast for people to really shine I think it'll be I hope it'll be good and then if you shot you done <clears throat> I have uh, we end in two weeks and then we do reshoots and what about what's standing up falling down standing up falling down I did a movie with Billy Crystal which is insane to me. Yeah, it's like how true, was that for you? It was amazing, and it was also that moment—the first time you meet him—that you you're like, holy, holy fucking shit! Mm-hmm. And I met him in his office, so like the fucking saddle from City Slickers is there, uh. and he's so lovely, and I I bonded with him so hard. Yeah. I love I love him. Uh, he's become a, like a good friend, but um, doing bits on the phone and hearing stories and just like. Uh, it's just I feel like if I came up in his generation, he would just we would just be doing bits all day and everything. Yeah, uh, I look up to him quite a bit, but we had a great time in the movie, and it was one of those things where we're changing in the car. Uh-huh. It's a movie that had no money, yeah. and he was game and he was down, and we'd work on the scenes together, and we helped you know punch up the script together. And good timing that guy. it was. Oh my god, have you played with him before or no? Well, I've, he's been on. He's, I've interviewed him a couple. I times. I I am in awe of him uh, as a human being. And yeah, as, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's he he's very good at being funny on purpose. Yeah. Yes, he's he. One of the lines he told me was like, ne- "Never let them see you work." Yeah, which I thought which was a pretty cool. Like when you're out there doing your thing, like fucking do your thing. Like don't see whatever. And yeah. he's great at that shit. And you've like been nominated for Emmys. It's weird that you won an Emmy for something that for what you won it for. I won it for uh, writing for the Oscars. Right, and but like you got the the earliest show got one. Earliest nomin- show got nominated. Yeah, and, and but you don't get it for that. But you get uh, it. No, for I know. Isn't that funny? Stick. I yeah. That uh, me, Dan Harmon, and Rob Schraub wrote for the uh, Hugh Jackman hosted the Oscars one year, and we wrote. The, and that's what his you won it for. Yeah, and I was way too young to be like. I just moved to LA, and I went to the Emmys and won an Emmy, and I was like, "What the fuck?" So I kept the Emmy in my like where I had like uh, in 
the kitchen in a cabinet where nobody could see it, where like the crackers were. Okay, you were ashamed. You I didn't just didn't. It. it was just like I didn't know where to much. put it, and also yeah. like I didn't live in the best part of town. I was like, if people could just walk in and see the Emmy, they'd be like, who the fuck is who is this yeah. guy? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, but now I have it where people can kind of see it, but it's all rusted because. As bits, I would put like crackers in it and shit like that. Yeah. And the salt rusted. The, oh, really? The thing. Yeah. So it's got those pox. It's in got it. like weird moves in it. All right. So now, why did you go to therapy? I think I always wanted to what go. Was it? You were 38, 30, what? I'm 30, 38 30. now. I went when I was probably 32, 33. But so you've been out here a while. You're, you're finding been success. Been out here for a decade. And you were doing, you're successful. Everything's going great. Mm. You'd run an, you'd won an Emmy. Won an you're Emmy meeting right your out heroes. the gate. Yeah. You're, you're with hot sauce. With hot sauce. Everything's that ended. happening. Yeah. And um, you decide then to go I to found therapy? My, I found myself going, uh, doing things in cycles. Like I would do the same type of things. And I was like, I wonder why. And also I wanted to talk to someone just about shit that's happened. I just wanted to figure out why Why do I keep doing this? Why do I keep- what, Like what? If I'm in a relationship, why do I? Why does it end like this oftentimes? Or why do I feel like this during it? And so I would talk to- uh, Like what though? Um- because I mean, I, we all have patterns. I have patterns, and it bothers me too. And there's still some patterns that I'm in. But like, what you just uh, you didn't connect, or you just you know, or it would just... be or it'd be like a supreme connection, and then kind of what happens, or it'll be like um, something doesn't feel right, or it would just go wrong. Or you know, one thing that I did uh, at the beginning when I was in relationships is I would be very into somebody. Yeah. Right. We'd be dating. Yeah. And then I wouldn't want to put a label on it or say that we're boyfriend and girlfriend. Right. And then ultimately that person might do something with somebody else because yeah. I had, and then I would be crushed. Yeah. And I was like, why am I afraid of what did even... you do when you were crushed? Did you yell? Did you scream? Did you cry? No, I'm, did I don't you... yell. I don't yell. Did I would, you, did you cry? Did I you would cry be hurt by myself. Oh. I would be hurt by myself. And what'd you say? I'd them? have a conversation with them and tell them that I was like, hurt. whatever. Yeah. And but go, I'm but way better said... at doing that now that I've been to therapy. Mm. Um, and then I'd go home and I'd be like, is it my fault? Is it my fault? Because I was always the one that didn't say we shouldn't be boyfriend and girlfriend. Yeah. But this is, you know, when I was younger and I feel like that happened a lot because probably there's a piece of me that was nervous to be like, do you want to be boyfriend and girlfriend? They're like, no. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Uh, and and you then, think that was it or you think like maybe this that. isn't the one? Oh, yes. I mean, that's so I think there's such pressure to find, you know, yeah. a, a, a match or whatever it is. But um, so that was one of the things I would talk about at the beginning and learning that, you know, like if I like somebody, I should fucking say it, how much I like them instead of being like nervous to tell them because yeah. maybe that they don't like me as much and oh my God. Oh, yeah. So I would talk to them about that or talk to them about other things or like if someone, like uh, uh, when Shanling passed away, like uh, that would be in my head and then it would kind of disappear for a while and then like later on, I'd be really emotional about it uh, and I learned that like I don't, I, 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 I work quite a bit and when I have those moments of silence, which oftentimes are like in a shower yeah. or like stuff like that when there's nothing to think about, yeah. that shit, all the shit that really bothers me creeps into my head then. And what happens? Oh, sometimes I'll get emotional, you know what I mean? Or like uh, or things like that. But Do you ever spiral? Spiral in what sense? Well, just like with, like with the sadness of it. The sadness, I think this, it, it will get me bummed. I'll be bummed so and not want to really see people for a little bit, but, but it won't it won't make me go crazy. But, but, I, a pro but that's, so that was an issue you had is that, you know, that there's something, you know, it sort of fits in, right? There's a bookend here in that, you know, when you improvise and when you are a compulsive worker uh, and you don't really, you know, talk about your your private life in your work or, mm -hmm. or, or publicly and you're constantly moving, that sort of when you find some reprieve, just a second where your brain stops thinking about the work or what you're doing, you uh, and you're not working in that moment, it just kind of like, it opens up. The, I think, the, yeah, I think it, it I, I was writing something, I wrote some movie kind of about this, but it's like, I, I think those uh, moments 
uh, the ones that like stick in your head. Also, there'll be things like in high school, something would have happened where I made a teacher unhappy. And then That's, those come back. Something will. There are things that like will stick with me. I feel like aren't there memories in your mind that kind of stay like they have found. Well, I find that some of those memories, like they, you know, depending on how your insecurity is manifesting itself, mm-hmm. are sort of small bats you can beat yourself with occasionally. A- that's absolutely correct. And the question is, are we doing that because we want to be beaten, or why? Why are we beating ourselves with because that? Because we, you know, that for some reason uh, we don't think we're good enough. Yeah. I think yeah. I think it's it, probably that. And by the simple. way, what a per and think about that in terms of my relationship thing. I don't think yeah. I'm good enough to be in a relationship with this person. Yeah. It totally that's a perfect way of putting it. A very succinct way. Why do you have that? I don't know. Maybe uh, I was. I think I'm afraid. It sounds like you had good parents and everything. Great parents. Uh, I think I was afraid to open myself up and say I love somebody, and then find out they didn't love it back. Same way I'm afraid to audition thing. for the improv team and find out I'm not funny enough. But you know, as right, right. as uh, as I've gone, uh, you know, you figure shit out. I would talk to my dad a lot about stuff. Talk to my mom about. But having that person, man, having that therapist, I f- and like very, he's very philosophical and will chat. And I just feel like I'm in in the midst of someone smarter than me that I can talk about things that are really. I mean, everybody's smarter than me, but like, just like he's he's very attuned to human beings and has seen a lot of comedians also, which I thought was interesting. Oh, you went to that guy? Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's that guy. I can't wait to Richard talk about Lewis's that. guy. Oh my God! If I go to the same therapist as Richard Lewis, I mean, there's a guy that used to see everybody. Oh, I, I, I don't think it's I that think he guy. He was in New York. Oh no, 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 it's not like a comedian's guy. But I like, uh, but it's been. I, I have loved it. And you've still been, you're still in it. I love it. I love it. So I, you're going. You've been there a decade. No, no, no. I started going uh, four years ago. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, that's good. So you, now you got a nice other uh, grown-up uh, mentor, the Gamelches, and Gamelches uh, are great. And Debono's probably Ken Debono used to yeah. take us bowling. There you go. Any teacher that treated yeah. me like an adult when I was coming up, I f- really related to and, them and, because and, I liked it. And now you got a guy that'll work you through a little bit of problems, but talk philosophically about things with you. And don't you we'll think that's so important? Reengage that part of your curious brain. Yeah. When you were from a, a younger time. Yeah, and he'll say something that I'll be like, oh my God, yeah, that's why sometimes I do that. Or have you thought about this? And I'll be like, oh, because you, I have a hard time of taking a step back and looking at macro things. Yeah, I, I, how are you at integrating from your brain into behavior and into your heart the things that you realize? Give me a, a No, example. I mean like, you know, like, oh, that is how I am and I got to change it. Oh, how are I you love at- it. I love having, the, I, I'm, fi- I'm fine with that. But, so the cognitive shift? Yeah, I'm, I'm able to listen and understand and absorb, but also oftentimes he'll say some things to me that I can't, he'll explain, my therapist will explain things in such a mystical way sometimes. And I'm like, uh-huh. oh, I can't, you gotta, you gotta help me out. And, and then he'll like quote like a, a philosopher that uh-huh. will help me. But like sometimes he'll be like, you know, we're all this, we're a plant or something you like that. You don't this. do that thing. Uh, I can't connect with it as much not as. Spiritual guy, not much. Uh, I would love to be, but I'm learning that it's easier for me to be connected if you you give me a sentence that I can really latch on to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like not that. Not something vague and poetic. <laughs> not like all the stuff you studied all coming up when you're fucking <laughs> doing your beat poetry on the no, side. Yeah. No, some of that's practical. Yeah, makes Maybe. sense. Sure, I mean, it's it's sort of an access. Like, I think those kind of things are personal in the sense that it doesn't need to make sense to everyone. And sometimes, you know, people can make sense of it in different ways. But if something speaks to you, not unlike we were talking about earlier, like a piece of music or whatever, you may not need to explain it. It just sort of puts something together for you. And you kind of you throw that into the machinery, and who the hell knows what it does? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not something you can necessarily latch onto as practical advice, but it does move the thing forward. I sure. think. Yeah, expand something. Yeah. Good talking to you, Ben. Great talking to you. How fun was this? It was good. Thanks for doing it. Thank you, sir. Okay, that was Ben Schwartz and me. That was fun, huh? 
Sonic the Hedgehog in theaters this Friday, February 14th. Also, Standing Up, Falling Down in theaters and on demand February 21st. I have not gotten my guitars out here. Also, go to WTFPod.com slash tour for venue and ticket information for all of my very well-populated winter tour dates. Transparency, folks. That's where I'm at right now. By the way, for those, just a quick update on American authoritarianism. It's happening. Full on. Full on. So, get used to it or make make it go away. Let's make it go away in such a dramatic way that it is undeniable, can we? I have no guitars out here yet. I did. I have not picked one of these up in a while. I I was never that great at it, but uh, I did. I recently had a ukulele available. I did that. I have one of these around here. Okay, so just a little of this, if I can pull it off.